0: I'm going to trouble your faces into pasta.
1: Yo, Joe! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. 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 Joe against Cobra, the enemy, fighting to save the day. He never gives up. He's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I.
2: Joe.
3: G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose? To defend human freedom against COBRA, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will
1: dare. G.I. Joe! welcome to star Joe's podcast episode 112 star Joe's a real animated hero I'm your host Ryan and I'm Robert and welcome back everyone we are back with the GI Joe cartoons oh, it's been too long it has been in fact we got an email about it we got comments <laughs> yeah we got comments on the forums uh, we got comments in on Facebook uh, I actually got a message on Facebook that I, I will probably try to re- bring up here and read for you. Um, okay. People were highly, highly demanding these episodes to return. And, All right. and I tried to reassure them. I was like, they're coming back. We have not forgotten about them. They're coming <laughs> back. I promise you. Um. So, uh, yeah, it's just long time coming. But I, I mean, both of us, I know, we're just excited. We we're like we got to get back into these cartoons.
2: So, yeah.
1: Because um, one of the comments that we actually got uh, was, uh, and I think it's in this email that I'm going to read, is they love the EU episodes. They love this, the Star Wars EU episodes. But they're a lot more, I guess, cerebral episodes. They The, that, <laughs> the comments <laughs> that I got was, I have to actually listen to what you guys are saying so that I gain <laughs> the knowledge from it. Right. Where... The cartoon episodes. <laughs> it's just play the episode and yeah, laugh at the silly. This
0: guy. is not. It, it's not so much about like. a uh, you're not an getting, academic you know review yeah. of the work i think i think it's the content is really the difference right. I, mean, I mean nobody was watching these episodes to be enlightened about the gi joe property no <laughs> no
1: and and we're not doing a uh, uh, in-depth study of the the line usage of the art and everything else
0: oh yeah we're just yeah.
1: going Wow, they were they how did. They survive.
0: They're <laughs> just like bazooka is retarded. <laughs> Next, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there's a big difference. <laughs> yes. I was thinking that as we were recording them, because I had fun doing the Star Wars ones. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like I'm finally, you know, uh, getting all this backstory. But I mean, there's nothing beats the GI Joe stuff. It's yeah. just so ridiculous. <laughs>
1: well, and the way I explained it, I actually emailed. Uh, I'll read the email that we got from uh from this guy Nate. Uh, who had emailed us uh, about doing the cartoon episodes, but also about the EU episodes. Yeah. And uh, the way I explained it to him, the reason why there was two EU episodes that came out so quickly, was it's kind of like when you get that new toy. It's like we were excited to do the Star Wars EU episodes, and we we put the G.I. Joe episodes to the side because, well, we got this new toy. We want to play with it a little bit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he told yeah. he totally understood that i was like but don't worry we're still going to go back to our favorites it's okay yeah.
0: <laughs> well i think think um especially as as we're trying to get on a new schedule of recording and yeah just in general like knowing how to juggle the basically the four different types of episodes we're running all at the same time and just trying to figure out the frequency i mean there's not gonna we're not gonna be able to adhere to any strict you know like you're going to get a uh animated series um episode every second week and an eu episode every third week it's just not going to work that way you know because of it depends on what we are able to read or watch or who is able to record on a given night so we might have like two or three eu's in a row or you might have a few you know animated series in a row it's just kind of right if if I, I wish we could be more structured, but if, I just I don't if, think that's. Yeah, if I
1: can't read anymore, and I can just watch some cartoons, that'll yeah. make me very happy for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm enjoying the reading, but like you're just your eyes get tired after a while.
0: <laughs> well, and obviously it's we can watch five episodes of yeah. GI Joe much faster than read a novel. Exactly. In, in general, you know exactly.
1: So. I mean, what I would what I'm hoping for I'm not saying this is always going to happen this way. What I'm hoping for is that. Once a month, we'll do the cartoon episodes, and once a month, we'll do an EU episode. That's what I'm hoping for. Now, when they happen in the month, I don't know. Right. Um, But that's what I'm kind of hoping will happen. Uh, I was also mentioning to Robert earlier today that uh once again february seems to be the month where we put out the most episodes <laughs> i don't know how it happens but i looked back in our history and it seems like february which is the shortest month of the year <laughs> is the month we put out the most episodes and uh, you had a good had theory a, behind i had
0: it. a theory i think i think what it is is we have a new year's resolution to be more regular with our episodes and then That takes a while to kick in, like, by the time we can actually start doing that. So that's February. We're like, yeah, let's do it. And then the whole rest of the year, we're just, like, going back to old habits and (laughs) crapping out on you guys. So, But
1: that is not going to happen anymore.
0: (laughs) No, we won't let it.
1: Because if – and actually, if you notice – and this is the thing I notice. And it's not all about, like, how many hits we get and stuff like that. But obviously, the more hits we get – of people listening, that means that there's more people listening, which is always awesome. Um, but I did notice when we started to trail at the end of the year and not put out as many episodes, we were putting out like maybe one a month, maybe two a month if we were really, really yeah. lucky. Our okay. listenership went from getting like 3,000 to 4,000 hits to getting like maybe a 1,000.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so I think now that we're going to be regular, uh, just like, anyone with good fiber in their diet, we're going to be regular. (laughs) Um, We can, these episodes are going to come out. That was my promise to people on the forums. My promise to Robert, my promise to Chuck that, Hey, these episodes are going to come out and Mm -hmm. I'm going to take that on my shoulders and say that even if stuff happens where we can't get together, uh, for whatever reason, I know you have sometimes a heavy workload and, and Chuck's got stuff going on with his life and everything else. I'm like, screw it. If something happens and we just can't get together, then I'm just going to put the call out there to listeners and say, hey, you want to come on? We'll just chat for half an hour to an hour or yeah. something like that. We'll see what happens. I know you're very committed, but like I said, things happen. Life, right. life does get in the way sometimes. So, um, and the good thing is so far we've been able to record together and still have episodes in the can.
0: Right, and I think, well, and I think it helps that um because we do have a few different types of shows we can do, right, uh we and then we always have the ammo dump we can fall back on, which yep. is um, I don't think it makes that any less of a show, but I think it's it's an easy show to record where we're always reading comics, we always have something to talk about,
1: yeah, and that is the big thing with the ammo dump is like you said, it's not that it's an easier show, it's just that we're we're reading comics because we enjoy them, so it's like, hey, let's get right. together and talk about comics, so yeah, um. Now, before we get into the listener feedback here, there's something I think is appropriate to bring up on these animated episodes because, again, they're a lot more lighthearted episodes. Um, And I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. For some reason, my co-hosts on this show like to be around naked men. And
0: (laughs) Robert recently...
1: And you posted this on Facebook.
0: So. I didn't. I never said I liked it. <laughs> you post- See, there's a difference between me and Chuck. <laughs> Chuck will go sit next to a bunch of naked men and eat a steak. <laughs> like enjoy, enjoy it. You know what I mean? Take his time. Kick back.
1: All I can say is I don't have any stories about being around naked men. That's all. <laughs> evidently there's something when you guys talk to me and then you go out and feel this need to be around naked man that's all i'm gonna no,
0: say no no i was trapped i had nothing to, okay this is let it, me tell is the it story. my animal
1: magnetism is that what it is
0: no, yeah it has everything to do with you right <laughs> no go ahead no, and tell the story okay uh, i was at the gym and i was gonna just kind of try and warm up a bit for my whatever for my workout and so i because it was super workout. cold outside <laughs> okay all right so I, went, I jumped in the sauna, and I was gonna just kind of relax do some stretching, maybe a bit, and then i and it's like it's an empty sauna, right, so I go in there right. and I'm just to get my body warmed up so I'm sitting down on the bench, and this guy uh he's probably in his late sixties early seventies let's call, like an, let's
1: call him Billy,
0: yeah, okay, so Billy. <laughs> Billy walks in butt naked, all right? Uh, He does have a towel, but he's not bothering to really use it to cover himself in any way. And I'm clearly looking right past him at the sign that says, no nudity (laughs) without, you know, some kind of towel or, you know, shorts on or something. And you're coughing like like guy I'm like, and he's all, you know, blatantly ignoring this rule. So I'm sitting there kind of just, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, because he walks in and I just like, so I just look at the ground. And I've got I me, mean, like, listening to music on my iPod, and and I'm just, like, trying to put my hand up on my forehead, you know, av- you know, to avert my eyes, and he's standing right in front of me. <laughs> so it's eye level. I mean, there's just nothing I can do to to avoid this. So, like, even if you're looking straight at the ground, your peripheral vision is just going to betray you. There's nothing <laughs> you can do to avoid this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I'm just trying to – so I just close my eyes completely, and I'm just like, you know, I'd get out of here. But he's basically blocking the door, and he's standing right in front of me uh, with uh, Billy's willy just right in, the, right in my face. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing I can do about this. And so then uh, I was like, this cannot get any worse. But, of course, it gets worse. I hear, I hear this strange sound. It's just like something clunking around. And, and I wasn't really paying attention to him when he walked in, but he was holding his towel. But, it, you know, it sounded like he was opening something. I'm like, what is this? So I go ahead and look up. And right as I look up, he's got, a hu- he's got a tub of Vaseline. It's not like a little squirt bottle. It's a tub of Vaseline. And he just takes his hand and scoops a huge scoop out of it and starts rubbing his body. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm out.
2: <laughs> getting, and I
0: getting for you. It. I was like, what the <laughs> heck? And so I just ran. I mean, I was saying online, I just started my workout with sprints that day. I was just like, <laughs> I'm just right out the door, and I did not look back. Oh my gosh, yeah. no, thank you.
1: I read that and I I <laughs> doubled over with laughter. <laughs> um,
0: I'm like, what the heck? Now if it was Chuck, he'd be like, hey, so you want to order a steak? All right, high five.
1: <laughs> Chuck, could, Chuck could be like, you want to rub some of that on me?
0: <laughs> I know. He's like, I'll get your back. You get my back. <laughs> Oh, that'd be Chuck.
1: That would be Chuck, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. All right, so I, I had to bring that up. I'm sorry. It's, oh, my it's, gosh. Um, cause
0: Traumatized. I'm, I said, <laughs> I'm worried what's
1: going to happen to me next. Is That's the thing I'm afraid of. Is like you both have had these experiences. Hey,
0: everything comes in threes. So I know.
1: That's the thing it's I'm totally afraid true. of. I think we just need another co-host.
0: <laughs> it's, it's You or John Thurman. One of you guys <laughs> is going to have a run-in with a naked dude. <laughs>
1: Well we'll see if yeah,
0: John. Has, hoping it's John. <laughs> we'll see
1: if John has any stories next time he's on.
0: <laughs> he's gonna be really nervous the next uh, convention you guys go to. <laughs> right.
1: Because <laughs> the naked guy is probably gonna be Chuck.
0: Yep, probably. <laughs> if you're here in a room with Chuck, watch out.
1: <laughs> so we did get some uh listener feedback. So I wanted to uh specifically related to the shows that you and I do. So um we do have some other listener feedback. I don't want people thinking I'm ignoring it. Uh, but we are supposed to do a show with all three of us on, uh, which will be our nominations episode. That should be coming up in the next, within the next month. Um, and that should have all three of us on. So on that episode, I will read all of the other emails that we've gotten, uh, because some of them ask questions to Chuck. Some of them ask questions to all of us. So, so we'll just, we'll deal with those there. But, um, good. but this, uh, this one is specifically about, it was titled, uh star wars eu slash sunbow so that's cool. t- totally ours
0: <laughs> yeah we got that we got this,
1: this this is from nate uh of course he just addressed it to me um uh,
0: i see how it is yeah is it right? exactly
1: <laughs> so <laughs> he knows i'm the one that responds to the emails yes. that's why
0: <laughs> that's probably a good idea quite honestly that is the best idea
1: yeah he says hi there ryan he says first <laughs> off let me say i really enjoy your brand of podcasting he says you have a great voice and pacing for it Not too slow or too fast or too loud or too muffled. He said, Chuck plays the ideal loose cannon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He said, he's fire to your level-headed steady ice. (laughs) He said, that keeps the course. Right. Um, So I'm like Iceman, and he's like Maverick.
0: Probably, that uh, makes sense.
1: And and, and that makes you Goose. (laughs) I can handle (laughs) (laughs) it. He said, uh, Robert is a delight. And a very humble celebrity addition to the team. So you're a celebrity now. Who knew?
0: That's the first I've heard of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're not getting paid like a celebrity.
0: Uh, no. That, trust me.
1: Um, he said seamlessly coming into the fold shortly after I discovered and started listening to you all. So that's he said. You've you, you know basically slid right in there, much like the guy with the Vaseline.
0: Oh my gosh! You had to throw that in. <laughs> Zing.
1: It's that whole, you know, the grapefruit tossed up. You know.
0: Oh man! Uh, he says, and
1: when he says, and when he adds his lion to your Voltron, John Thurman <laughs> makes very thought-provoking observations to the real American hero. Great rewatch. Awesome. Uh, he says, I felt like Junkyard should have broken the fourth wall at the end of the episode and have his eyes start glowing blue again, then fade to black, just like we talked about.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: So, uh, he says, I think it is a great service you are doing for Star Wars fans by sort of spoon feeding us all the, ex-
2: right. <laughs> all the extended
1: universe content. And that's the big thing. I don't want to just overload people cause that just scares them away. So, yeah. um, he said in a very succinct, easy to digest way, I only had, uh, read the Thrawn trilogy, then later on Shadows of the Empire and Courtship of Princess Leia and, he says, "So that's only five of the 155 books.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Got a ways to go." <laughs> and
1: and if he stopped at courtship of Princess Leia, I understand.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Like, That's it.
1: Um, they're not gonna get any better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he like shuts the book, turns his lighter on. <laughs> and I
1: hate, I hate picking that book apart, but I man, I hated reading that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's one of the that's one of the few I read too. But I mean, I don't I read more than five. I don't remember exactly how many. I've probably read 20 or 30 at least. Yeah. But certainly not as many as were about to know
1: <laughs> <laughs> which oh. by the by the way i did just get the latest one which is a darth maul's uh it's called lockdown or something like that so
0: oh okay cool um
1: so he says i was starting to have a minor panic attack however when i saw the latest upload offering meant uh that the november 18th a real american hero themed podcast was still the latest in the gi joe great rewatch series
0: oh it's been a long it's been since november yeah
1: what yeah
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: I know. I feel bad. Uh, I can't
0: believe it. It's been such a fast, like, just everything has gone so fast yeah, this last
1: it has. however
0: many months. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: So he says, while I enjoy the Star Wars angle, I find that that is more of an information-type show where mm-hmm. I, and he put in parentheses, lazily have to concentrate a bit more. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and he says, in the GI Joe one, I can easily picture everything in my mind's eye, and I play eight ball pool or Pitch Pro uh, on the iPad and laugh hysterically at the team's antics. Yeah. So <laughs> they're well, both they're both great content. I just laugh more, and you all seem to also at the Sunbow project, which we talked about. It makes sense. It's the content. Yeah. So. Exactly. Um. And he says, and I've just been looking forward to a good laugh fest, nostalgic trip to the '80s with you with you lot again. Uh, I remember most of the episodes by heart, but was rewatching. uh even got ahead by a handful of episodes along with you just to get all of the subtle observations you guys were making.
0: Oh, cool. See, I think that's the best way to do it. Like, we'll announce at the end of the show um, the yep. next five that we're going to be watching. And so I think even if it, you watch it and we don't, you know, get you another uh, animated podcast with you know, for another couple weeks, like, you'll remember it. As soon as we start talking about it, yep. you'll... I mean, it all come, come back. And I think that's the best way to do it. If you watch it with us. And absolutely. the great thing is if, if you don't, you know, it's still just fun to listen to, but, uh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And I think you get a little bit more out of it if you, if you're, if you at least watch it before we cover it, because yeah. like you said, then it starts coming back to you. Now, some of these episodes will come back to you anyways. Uh, because right. you, if you wa- ever watched them, so, um, he says my only greedy request would be that you could do a real American hero themed uh, one once a month, which I had just mentioned Yeah,
0: that's what what we're, that's our plan.
1: That's what we're going to try to do. Uh, he says to keep up with the star Wars and the comic book themed episodes. He says, hope my request doesn't come off as bossy or pushy. I'm a big fan of what you do. Do
0: it. Do it now. (laughs) Do it.
1: Do it. Um, and he said, here's a bit of what I used to do. And he has like a, a flicker.com with some photos link, which I'll actually, I'll actually put it in our show notes so people can check cool. out some stuff that he used to do. Um, he says, thanks for your time in reading this. Uh, and, uh, that was Nate. So that's where I kind of mentioned to him, um, you know, it's kind of like, when we were doing the Star Wars episode, it was kind of like getting a new toy. So he responded yeah. and says, I totally agree. He said, I totally get the new toy analogy. I remember being young and getting the Cobra Wolf and being enamored with all of its play features. But after a while, I went back to my old Battle Bear (laughs) 2. He said, same thing with my trench coat Endor Han Solo and my old faithful big head, A New Hope Han Solo figures. It's just human nature, I think. Also, I'm a Star Wars baby, too, born three months before A New Hope exploded on the scene. Uh, So in many ways, I love the Star Wars universe more than the G.I. Joe universe. It's just that the Sunbow commentaries are so dang funny. <laughs> he said, Hopefully you and Chuck are having luck finding new careers. Sorry about the layoffs, but also have some good R and R in the meantime. Looking forward to the Ryan declassified episode when it comes down the pike too.
2: Yeah.
1: And he said same Star Joe's time, same Star Joe's channel. So um which reminded me that I did not announce this on the episode any of our episodes. Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh I realize I, that. I have a new job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um I have actually been doing it for about a month now. Uh, when we did the Chuck Declassified episode, I, is, I think when I mentioned that I was close to something, but I didn't want to announce it until I actually had it. Well, I think it was like two days later I got the actual job offer.
0: Yeah, you're doing like interviews and callbacks and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: So, um, so yeah, I was very active job hunting, and it it paid off. And uh, now my wife is still looking for work. Mm-hmm. So if you know of a graphic design job in the Cleveland area, I'd be much appreciated. <laughs> but um I won't just like before, I won't say what I where I work, but I can kind of tell you what I'm doing because it's it's kind of interesting. Um or at least people seem to find it interesting. <laughs> um But I used to work for a bank, I don't work for a bank anymore. Um and but I kind of do something now that I did for the bank, which is the best way I can describe it, and the easiest way I can describe it, is you know when you call a place and you get that automated message that's, or sometimes the person says, "This call may be monitored for quality and education purposes." Right. I am the quality and education purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the per- I am
0: the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: right. <laughs> I am the person that will listen to the calls uh, in customer service or sales and stuff like that, and I grade the people on those calls. And I provide feedback, you know, here's what you did well. Here's what you need to work on. You told this customer a total lie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Things like that. So, um, it's kind of like,
0: I think they could be more upfront. They say, they could say, you know, this call is being recorded so that Ryan can fire this person. (laughs) What? Wait,
1: what? Uh, no, not at all. Who's no. Ryan?
0: <laughs> not at all. Dun, dun, dun.
1: <laughs> the great thing is, too, is I'm working for a company that is really growing fast, and they are amazingly good to their people. Uh, cool. So that's the really co- cool thing. Is Now, I did work for a company that was I felt was very good to me. It paid me well and everything else, but I had no idea how good a company could be towards its employees until I started working for this new company now. Mm, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm very excited. Um, I, I really love what I'm doing right now. I've been doing it for a month. So, you know, the honeymoon's over and I still love it. So, um, so it's, it's a good time. So if you see me at a con and you actually want to ask me, uh, I would be happy to tell you where I'm working at. I just don't want to put it out on the air. So so that's the the only thing. So I'm not secretive about it. It's just, that's all. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yep.
1: But um, it's a secret. But it's a secret. <laughs> I'm not secretive, but it's a secret.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm not going to tell you <laughs>
0: okay. unless you ask.
1: Unless you ask me, really, really nicely.
0: So the moral of the story is: don't trust Ryan with secrets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I keep the important ones. The ones about my own personal life, I usually, right. I'm because it's only going to hurt me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. It's yeah. not something for on the air. So yeah,
1: well, and all because I don't have that company's endorsement
0: yeah exactly yeah. no, I deal with this all the time, like yeah. uh I mean just it's just structure and it's you know you don't necessarily speak for the company, so you can't you know that's right. not what you're paid for that's not what you have an obligation to or even a right to do, so they yeah. crack down on that and
1: yeah exactly
0: better better safe than sorry, so yeah
1: um, so we did get another message on um on Facebook, and it was kind of related to a lot of this stuff that you and I cover, but he also uh it's from a guy named Kevin. And he had a question specific to you that I thought would be good on this episode to have you answer. Yeah. Um, so he said, "Hey, Chuck, Ryan, and Robert, uh, talk to you guys a bit uh, over Twitter, and have loved your podcast for quite a while now. Um, most likely, you're talking to me over Twitter, unless you're you're talking to Robert." And uh, Rob- uh,
0: I'm not on Twitter. You're not much. on Twitter. <laughs> okay. I mean, I am, but I just I just kind of check in and out.
1: So, so Kevin, you're mostly talking to me. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think.
1: (laughs) So he says, not sure if if it's something you guys might want to try, but with Robert being a big part of the show now and a large part of his popularity being with his work on G.I. Joe, I think it would be cool to hear an interview with you guys and a Marvel Joe artist like Ron Wagner. Uh, Yeah. And I'm all for that. And I did tell him that, too. I was like, and again, he wasn't sure if we would like that idea. And I was like, no, if he wants to come on, sure. So he says, I've met him a uh, few times, and he had some neat stories talking about Nth Man working on G.I. Joe. He said, I asked him if he had done any podcasts in case I had missed them, and he said he hadn't, but he would be willing to do one uh, when I asked if he were open to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He says, not yeah. sure if it would be a, a dead end or not, but Robert and Ron could compare notes on how Hasbro approached the artists in getting the images and stories across where each of them pulled inspira- and where each of them pulled inspiration from. So, like different time periods, basically yeah, how things yeah. were done back then versus how you kind of see things now. So, I think it'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been times I've had a chance to talk with Herb Trimp or Rod Wigum and and obviously Larry at, at various conventions. And it and it is it was a much different industry back then, and it's always really cool to hear how how things were done. And yeah. it, it always depends on the era who your editor is all that kind of stuff sure. so that would be really cool dude yeah, yeah talk to him
1: so he says hope you don't mind uh, questions for possible show ideas but i have one more and we don't mind at all in fact without the listeners suggesting certain things there's certain things that wouldn't have even existed like yeah. like the ammo dump that came from rock one of our listeners and rock was somebody we didn't know until we did the podcast and so that's the thing too. You guys might hear us mention these names like Keith Knudsen or Mike Myers, Daryl Taylor, uh, Rock, uh, you know, John Thurman, uh, Grubb, and and Travis, and like all these people. And I'm
0: sure I'm, all the guys yeah, on the forums, yeah, uh,
1: JP and stuff like that. You hear us mention all these people. Yes, they're friends of ours, but they weren't friends. They were friends of ours because we ended up doing the podcast. We didn't mm-hmm. know any of these people before doing the podcast. <laughs> Right. So that's why if you do see us at a show, um, you know, come up and talk to us. That's how we get to know you. Uh, if, if you want to email us or leave us a voicemail or go on the forums or something like that, that's how you'll get to know us even more. And we're always open to ideas. Will we use all of them? No, (laughs) 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 but, um, but if, if we don't use one, I'll tell you maybe the reason why, maybe it's something we did think about doing. We decided not to, for whatever reason. Um, I I won't just kiss your ass. I'm not that type of person. Uh, Chuck is,
0: but right. <laughs> that's kind of a given. We right. don't even we need to say that.
1: But but don't let that hold you back from giving <laughs> us ideas. Even if I say, yeah, we're probably not going to do that, or or yeah, that that's not such a great idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean you should stop
0: <laughs> right well and i mean there's there's all all different things that we know we have in a schedule or yeah uh, either we're already planning on going over or we might have plans so you might suggest something like well we're not going to do it now but but down you the line, know maybe yeah down the line possibly or we're not gonna do it because we're doing something like this which is a little similar but right you know but certainly any suggestions you have like we're always open for that and and like you just said it 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 has created content for the show and even regular shows like you said with the ammo dump and we're all for it
1: yeah and and the thing is too is that um you know we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been doing interviews for the show if robert as a listener had not reached out to us and said hey i draw this (laughs) comic
0: i always forget that
1: (laughs) yeah that's how i mean you were our first interview Mm -hmm. um and now you're a friend i mean it's just that's how it worked out and uh I now we
0: share rooms together when we go to conventions. Right,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have to and then I meet um Uncle T Bag, you know, right. in, in, a, <laughs> and then Robert's in like, a hotel room.
1: And then Robert's like, why did I ever listen to that podcast? <laughs> or why did I let oh, them well, know I was well, listening? <laughs> yeah. But no, like like I said, please feel free to to give us ideas if you think it's something that could work for the show. Um we are happy to do it. So um so he says, uh I go to the expos... Uh, up here in Calgary and Edmonton uh to collect a lot of autographs but I have a question for Robert in regards to signing pieces. He says I don't usually go for getting comics getting signed. I prefer to do something original and a bunch uh and put a bunch of covers together or a whole issue laid out on a page and have a creator sign that instead. He said I attached a couple examples of what I have had signed. I'm wondering what Robert's view is of fans bringing stuff like this up to have signed. I have, on, I have had only two artists refuse to sign anything and both of them were dicks about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he says, but I have had some awesome experiences as well with some of my favorite creators and they started sharing stories to me about issues or stories. He said, bring me on the podcast and I'll tell you tell you more kidding but I would (laughs) Uh, and then it was funny because I told him you know he he did send some examples and I asked him if he was okay with me showing them on Facebook and he says he was totally fine with that and um, I said you know I'll post it on Facebook so people can see what he's talking about and uh, I says and you know maybe yeah maybe we can have you come on sometime you can tell us some stories that you've heard from creators and things like that and he goes yeah I think I was drinking a little bit when I told you I'd come on the show (laughs) (laughs) but he goes but if you think I would really you know, it, it, you'd really like to have me on. He says, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I was like, well, we're, when next time we do a listener episode, I told him I'd reach out to him. So,
0: yeah, no, I think it would be fun to do a show, even if it was like uh, once a year or a couple times a year where we have people come on and just talk about convention experiences, yeah. because that is a blast. I mean, there's so many great stories. One, it's like uh, when you're interacting with other creators or friends. Uh, you know, different things that you got you never thought you would, or yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's just such a blast, and I love hearing other people's stories where they've met creators, both good and bad. You know, it's yeah. you, you you can't stop but look at a car wreck. You know what right. I mean? So exactly, you, you want to hear <laughs> you want to hear the terrible experiences, but. I and love the chances that people get to meet like their childhood oh, yeah. you know heroes and the people that they really love the creators that they loved and, and getting a chance to meet them and talk to them and all that stuff. It's I love and, it.
1: And I will say um and we and we do have a couple people in mind to already reach out to for this, but we we certainly don't have it booked up yet. Um most likely episode 125 will be an all listener episode or we'll bring some listeners on and we'll talk because we did it at episode 75. And I was uh-huh. like, okay, we're getting near episode 125 this year. Uh, that's 50 episodes since the last time we had a bunch of listeners on. So we should probably do it again. Yeah. So uh, so we're at episode 112. It's only 13 episodes away. So, Right. Uh, so we'll reach out to some people. But then also, if you're interested, let us know. Um, and we can see if we can fit you on that episode as well. So uh, obviously, yeah. we want to limit how many people. But uh, I can tell well, you. Well, I mean, we might be able to do it, too. or we? Yeah
0: where we kind of start the episode and then we might let the listeners who uh, agree to come on ahead of time. Yeah. We can uh, just say, look, just be available between these hours and we'll give you a call and have them come in just talk for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and then we'll let them go and kind of bring on the next, you know, maybe two listeners at a time or something like that. Just so it's a little more structured and a little more, not everybody talking over each other.
1: And, and one thing too, is that I will tell you guys that if you want to be on the show, um, and for some reason it just doesn't work out this time. I do keep those names and email addresses and stuff like that handy for the next time we look to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you're never forgotten. Uh, I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. So so don't worry about it if you, if you just it's not going to work out this time. We'll we'll try to make it work out again some other time. So, um, but the thing that he does that he wanted your opinion on is, um, and I don't know if you've seen this before, is what he does. He takes covers like multiple covers or whole. Issue layouts and he prints them off on a big sheet, yeah. Where it's got like multiple covers on it, and that's what he has the creator sign.
0: Yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now. Um, yeah, so okay, this is um, me personally. I I absolutely love when somebody has taken the time or the initiative to do something like this and have you know their own way of collecting, whether it be original artwork or or signatures. Right. Um, I think it's just. You know, um, ingenuity and, and, and an, an obvious love for uh, the work, which obviously it was flattering to me as an artist. So, yeah. I, I'm more than happy to sign. You know, I'll sign anything. Yeah. Like, I would <laughs> – <laughs> just because I appreciate the fact that, that you have shown interest in my work. Right? Chucks so, HP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost anything. I would sign almost Vas- anything. <laughs> Vaseline
1: rubbed down naked men.
0: Okay, <laughs> let me take that back. <laughs> there are a limited amount of things I would sign. <laughs>
2: um,
0: uh, I will only sign what I deem appropriate.
1: No, but we've also had like uh, Shannon- <laughs> <laughs> we've we've also had Shannon Shannon Gallant on, and he says he loves it when someone brings something unique yeah. to him. Yeah. That something he hasn't seen twenty times over, um, and he says he knows a lot of creators that feel the same way. And and yeah. like like Kevin was uh, telling us, you know, some creators actually when they see something like that, they actually take time to talk with you because you've brought something they have they don't see all the time.
0: Yeah. Now, um, and that's when like also uh, you bring. Say, say there's a, a writer or a, an artist that you that you enjoy their work, and you you take the time to go and find their very first published item or something like that. Like mm-hmm. you went out of your way to find that kind right. thing. And then when you bring it up to the sign, they're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen this forever. And typically they're like ashamed of it, but <laughs> which is always like a funny icebreaker. You're like, right. hey, you drew this, and they're like, oh man, this sucks. <laughs> but um, but you know, it's, it's again, it's flattering because you took the time to go and find or you remembered. You, you're not bringing them the hottest book that just came out last month. Right. You know, that, like you said, they're they're seeing dozens of at this convention. You're bringing them something that that either they had a passion for earlier on in the career or maybe, like I said, their first work or something. And and, and we always appreciate that because obviously you've yeah. taken the time. To I, stuff out.
1: I actually have contacted Robert's mom and she is sending me his very first <laughs> drawing he ever did as a little kid. And I'm going to have Robert sign that for me. <laughs>
0: oh my god no that, I did it's it's funny because I when I was in 7th uh, or 8th grade we had a comic shop in town I went up there and I said hey if I do a drawing for you guys okay, will you pay me in comics <laughs> so I was already working the angles you know as a little 12 year old and they were like sure kid whatever and he was doing so little
1: I, turkey hands and yeah. stuff like that
0: <laughs> I went home and I drew this Wolverine and um it was back in the early 90s and so I was like uh Hey, I know, I know the trick to drawing leg muscles because I've read image comics. And I was like, the idea is you just draw as many lines as you can <laughs> and no feet. <laughs> exactly. I thought that was it. Little triangles for feet and, and like dozens of lines all through the legs. And I, and that's it. I've got it. That's the ticket. So right. I drew this uh, terrible Wolverine and I brought it in. I guess they were impressed by the fact that I was only 12 and I drew this, but right. I look back on it. And it's pretty terrible. So I drew like the Wolverine and I just hand wrote in. The name of the comic shop, its uh, address, and its phone number. And I took my own initiative. I made like a hundred copies of these at the library, and I just put them all over town. I was just like stapling them to like telephone poles and in every grocery store. I need store. to find I, like, one of like,
2: these. <laughs>
0: well, my brothers kept one. I didn't know it. So, and I got you know they they gave me like, a, a, like I don't know half a dozen comics. I was like, oh my gosh, what a great deal. So anyway, my my brothers kept one of these flyers, and then I think I don't know when I turned. 30 or something I don't it's was, it was fairly recently they're like they had they framed it and uh and you gave it to I was like uh this is terrible
1: <laughs> What what is Brian's number cuz I need to get <laughs> one of these from him
0: <laughs> no, I know um I need to maybe take I need to scan it or something I don't even know if there's a digital version of this we'll talk, Oh just talk to Keith like Knudsen.
1: he knows how to scan things so just
0: Oh s- yeah well I'll we'll have to catch him before he has a few drinks but
1: No that's when he does scan is when he's had some drinks <laughs>
0: Anyway, okay. If you've
1: never listened to DC noise, Keith Knudsen gets drunk and then he wants to scan stuff in.
0: I know. Like, I'll scan it. Like, I'm scanning it. I'll scan it. it. Yeah. So, I scan did it. you get it yet? <laughs> did you see it? Did you see it? <laughs> no, okay. So um, the other thing I wanted to say is, okay, so Kevin's point about some some creators not liking this and, and then that they get upset about it. Okay. There, I, I see the other side of it as well. Okay. There's a few things.
1: Um, you just like to ride that fence all the time just like I oh,
0: no well so I I think I well, that's I mean that's kind of my personality I guess like I've never um I don't know
1: I agree it's, with Ke- I agree I, with Kevin that they are dicks.
0: Okay this is <laughs> I I've, I've heard other people explain it I and I don't feel the same way like I said yeah, I'll sign yeah. almost anything. Right almost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have RHP in the title. Right. So Anyway um so we've got you know some creators right they're 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 at a show set up um for a few reasons one is obviously to see fans of their work but also to make money right we're there at a show typically most shows can cost us anywhere between five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars to set up at a show uh-huh. right it's not like we go there for free and even if we're brought in as a guest right um, that means that they might provide a table for you which typically costs us a hundred to five hundred dollars just to sit there okay so that's not including. Everything else it costs for us to be there, let alone the fact that we have work we could be doing at home,
2: right? Right.
0: So, so not only, not only are we in the whole, the cost of even being at the show, but the two or three days worth of work we could have just stayed home and done. So that's another anywhere from $500 to $1,000, depending on how much you make or what you're doing at the time. So you have to realize that going to these shows, uh, is an investment to us and we're, and we're paying or, you know, possibly losing anywhere between like i said 500 to 2,000 dollars to be at these shows so we go there and obviously we're there to make money and that's Mm -hmm. part of it um so we have a number of ways to do that we can sell books off of our table you can sell prints of your work you can do uh sketches or commissions while you're at the show and you uh, can sell your original artwork all right so all of those things we have at the table to provide for fans something you can get directly from the artist, and we're happy to sign and almost always willing to sign for free, right? Yeah. So in any other industry, unless your uh, name
1: is Neil Adams,
0: <laughs> well that's true. Okay. I mean, and some people will charge you, yeah. you know, to sign something. But um, I
1: will say, I will say, I just I don't mean to interrupt, but I will say I had I did pay at the time it was five bucks for Neil Adams to sign my um, RHP. And,
0: um, I just took a drink. I went to that all over my microphone.
1: Well, well, here's, here's another thing for you. For those new to the show, Robert, oh, tell, tell people what RHP is.
0: I don't, I don't think I want to. <laughs> I, I, I feel uh, dirty enough that I know what that stands for.
1: Okay. So anyways, um, when we have Chuck on, he'll tell people. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Um,
1: but anyways, him. I, no, I had him sign my hardcover edition of green, green lantern, green arrow. Yeah. Um, and he, and yes, I paid him five bucks for his signature, but I felt like I got five dollars out of it because he actually talked to me, he mm-hmm. signed it, and he told me he left some room in case I you know had anyone else that was gonna sign it uh, that worked on the book and everything else, and he shook my hand and it was he was very nice about it, so yeah. like I was like, okay, I'll pay you five bucks for that,
0: yeah, exactly I mean it, you know it if you go to a say a celebrity show, you're paying fifty dollars, a hundred dollars for a right. signature, you know, on on a, on the photograph. You have to buy, you know. I mean,
1: and you so, get like two milliseconds with those people.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm just like the cool thing about the comic industry is how approachable all the creators are, you know, and that's typically we put ourselves out there to to do yeah. that, and um, so that's the so anytime I've heard a creator complain about that, it's because. Uh, You know, we provide a lot of content that you can buy, or you can go to any of the retailers there at the store, or if you bring your own comics from home to sign, means that you've invested in our work. You You know, you've invested in, yeah. Now, when people print off a picture that I drew online or something like that, you know, I put it up online, they print it off, and they want me to sign it. Like again, I'm more than happy to do something like that, but some creators are like, look, if you appreciate my work enough for me to sign something. You know, invest in it, right? right? Or show me that you have invested in it, and then that helps me appreciate your interest. Right. I guess. So, look, it is kind of a a jerky thing. I think, especially depending on their attitude, or if right. you know maybe that's happened all weekend long, and then you happen to be the person they snapped on, or right. <laughs> you right. can never tell um but
1: and i think what kevin the
0: other side of it that's and, all I wanted to. Point and out. i
1: could be wrong and kevin can clear this up for me um but i think what kevin does is his images are actually from issues that he owns so he did. yeah
0: so i mean I, I look at these things and they're very high quality scans he's obviously taken the time to lay them out correctly and if he and if he printed them out on a really nice high stock paper like he's putting money into right. this presentation so you know in this particular instance like I would be more than happy to sign something like right. this because you've obviously put the time and effort and uh, and money into uh, creating this presentation of my work, right? And, and something that you appreciate, and that is flattering and amazing.
1: Absolutely, and and like you said, I believe these are actual from actual issues that he owns, so he already yeah. invested the money in the comics, right? It's not like you said, like it's not like he just pulled images off the internet and. Put them together in Photoshop and and had someone sign it and it cost them nothing. Now if you're and maybe that is what he did and if if it is what he did then Kevin you're stealing from comic creators. No, just <laughs> no, you're not. But it's it's one of those things where maybe it's maybe someone doesn't have a lot of money but they are able to afford to go to the show and they can't afford to buy much else but they really want an autograph from their favorite creator. Yeah. Um and if that's the case, and that's a really cool way to do it to like you said you're still honoring the person you just maybe you just can't afford you know to pay for the comics i mean let 's face it they're expensive these days
0: <laughs> yeah. so. no it's i mean it's a uh, i i get like i said i I do get both sides of it I think you know um that when I have heard uh, creators complain about this it's been typically because they've just printed something off online. Yeah. And, but, but like you said, not everybody has the money to go out and, and to do this. And they obviously still appreciate your artwork enough to print it out, come and find you, you know, pay for admission to the show, come and find you and get it signed. Like, so that's why I see it. I'm more than happy to do it, but I also,
1: I can't afford a giant size X-Men number one, but maybe I still want the artist who drew the cover to sign a picture of it. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, see, yeah, that's, I, I, I totally get it, but, um, You know, and I I usually like to have something on my table like my postcards or something that people can have for free that I can sign. Um, So, like I said, I'm all for it. I understand some some creators aren't. And I think when you – if you do this type of initiative where you're creating something original and you're bringing to the show to have an artist sign it, you just have to go into it knowing not every artist is going to be down with that. Yeah. You know? So you might run into people who don't appreciate it or might be upset about it, and you're going to have those experiences. So – You just hope that more often than not, you have the good experiences, but that's part of the risk of doing something on your own as opposed to buying something off their table.
1: And make sure that if you're going to a show that Robert's going to be at, that you get to his table before I do, because I usually take (laughs) all the free
0: postcards
1: (laughs) and then I put them in prize packages. (laughs) And that's how I am able to create prize packages.
0: Oh, first, first he makes me sign them all and then I don't have time to do anything else all night.
1: And then I list them on eBay. (laughs) Get Robert Atkins' signature. He rarely shows up at shows. Oh,
0: come on. You'll never get a sketch from him. <laughs> the only way to get his artwork is to buy this postcard. <laughs> all
1: right, so you ready to get in some episodes, G.I. Yeah, yeah, Joe episodes? All yeah. right, so <laughs> enough tomfoolery. <laughs> um, all right, so the first one on our on our list, and as always, Robert, you already know the drill. Jump in with any crazy comments that you might have of
0: course
1: um we'll is we happy. have right <laughs> so we have uh, money to burn which is by roger sliffer slifer
0: i uh, like sliffer
1: sliffer <laughs> sliffer sweeper yeah something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's what happens <laughs> In the middle of the night and in an unknown uh, metrop- uh, Metropolis jewelry stores, art galleries, and antique coin shops are being burglarized. Uh, the valuable merchandise is sold to the Crimson Guard uh, commanders, Tomax and Zemot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're dressed in their Cobra attire, and they pay for the goods acquired by the thieves. Uh, just then, a Blinks armored truck, which that cracked me up. Yeah. It blinks instead of Brinks. Uh, suddenly zooms towards them. They flip over the... The truck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I gotta jump in already. I've gotta jump in. What the crap? All right, so the, these people are like, uh, you know, robbing the banks in the middle of the night. I get that, but then they're like uh, zooming through the streets. Um, or no, I guess that comes a little bit later. But still, this truck just comes out of nowhere. And is gunning for him. I mean, yeah. it looks like they're out for him. They come driving right. That everybody scatters except for Tomax and Zaymon, who stand there right in front of the truck. Yep. As and they're like playing chicken with it. And right as it's about to hit him, do the, they do like front hand springs off of the roof of the truck and flip right yeah. over it. And then the truck like runs into a a, a pole or something, or yeah. just smashes into some yeah. crap. And then the guy gets out like, "Hey, I got your stuff." And you're yeah. like, "What?"
1: The, the, the truck's ready to be used. <laughs> yeah. Like after you ran into something. And they proved that white men can jump. Yeah, actually quite uh, acrobatically. And did you notice that the driver sounded like Flint?
0: Yeah, oh, it was totally Flint. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it when you hear him.
1: so good. So uh, after driving the truck to their corporate headquarters, uh, Tomex and Zaymat change out of their Cobra costumes and into their suits. Uh, they then tell their secretaries that they will be leaving for the day
0: which I kind of wonder if is didn't they come up like a side panel or trapdoor or something yeah, like yep. it came in and I wonder if they were there you know it's like if she didn't see them walk in but then they walk out like yeah. where these guys come from so
1: and then they tr- dress in their suits just to get into a cobra rattler
0: yeah to fly away <laughs> <laughs> why did I so why did they have to go through their office to do this like I don't, I don't. it was it was just a way to kind of i guess show the life of the and I what, I wanted,
1: but... what I want to know is where the Cobra Rattler come from.
0: Oh, from the side of the building. Remember how the thing just? Oh, opened that's right. right up they take from
1: the <laughs> earlier episodes continuity. I get it.
0: Yeah, ding ding. ding.
1: <laughs> um, so the twins fly inside a Cobra Rattler towards the mount uh, a mountain uh, top, uh, the top half of it obscured by clouds, and they accompany Cobra Commander as he visits Destro in his lab.
0: Well, first, as we fly to this new Cobra Temple. Right. It's like, you remember the design of it? It's like this, um, it's like a Frank Lloyd Wright house or something. It's oh, like yeah. this crazy modern, like blocky angles. It looks much different than a lot of the other Cobra temples they've had before. And they're like, I think they just got it. They, they must've killed off their old architect.
1: I so wish we had kept track of how many Cobra temples.
0: <laughs> I know. I mean, we're, well, like we're already like 30 episodes into this thing. Yes.
1: Yeah, so. this, this is, yeah. I think this is actually, this might be episode 21. So Okay,
0: that's well yeah, th- then that's after the miniseries. Right, exactly. So um okay, that's it. I'm I'm gonna go back and count because I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I have to know that's my mission. So before the next before the next uh so I'm, I'm making a note right now. For okay. Before the next animated show we do, I'm gonna have to rewatch Okay, everything. Everything <laughs>
1: You could either rewatch everything or you could try going to joguide.com. It might be able Well, to show yeah, there. Okay,
0: well I might yeah, I might be able to go through some of those pictures and see if if the yeah. cobra temple shows up in any, and count yeah. how many. That's yeah. probably the more sensible that, thing.
1: That might be faster.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to cross out my note that says rewatch everything. <laughs> go to joguide.com. Okay. All right, proceed.
1: Um, so Cobra Commander asks uh, <laughs> for a progress report on the thermal molecular ignition transmitter.
0: That means nothing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: And uh, Destro informs Cobra Commander that the device is ready and that a test is about to be conducted. The thermal molecular ignition transmitter glows for a moment. It shoots a beam at the table with a stack of United States $100 bills, and the entire pile is incinerated. Uh, Thrusting his hands into the air, Cobra Commander happily states that the United States will be in financial ruin the next day.
0: It's like, they just burn a pile of money. He's like, yes! They're like, what? You could have done that with a lighter. Like, what? Right. <laughs> Why did we have to build this machine?
1: So then we go to uh, Ace, Roadblock, Thunder, Alpine, and Ripcord are gathered around a table in the communications room at Joe headquarters playing poker. Mm-hmm. And if you notice through this whole episode, Thunder is never identified by name.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true.
1: Because the whole episode I'm watching it and I'm like... Who the hell is that? I can't remember that, what his name is. And I was like, well, they're going to say his name eventually. No, it wasn't until the nope. next damn episode that they actually said his name.
0: <laughs> hey, you, over there.
1: Um, before Ace can display his winning set of cards, the money on the table incinerates. Thunder pulls out his wallet to find Ashes. uh breaker tunes into a broadcast from cobra commander who states that because of the fiscal irresponsibility of the u.s government cobra commander has eliminated the old currency and will help create a new world order
0: and then it shows just like scene after scene of people's money you know just going up in flames and flashing and and turning into dust and so you have like uh the the saddest was the lady stuffing money under the mattress (laughs) yes like this old lady she's like oh put money away for like the rainy day you know it's this whole life savings under a mattress and it's like
1: <sighs> what I don't get is how, was, how are they able to target the US currency only and not all paper
2: <laughs> oh yeah I, don't, I mean
1: I know US currency is special paper but it I mean I don't know how you just go okay we're gonna burn money and that's all it's gonna burn <laughs>
0: Uh, it has something to do with the thermal or the molecular or the ignition, possibly the transmitter part of the of the device, but I'm not exactly sure.
1: It's one of those four parts. Right.
0: It has something to do with that.
1: So at the Department of the Treasury, thousands of people stand in front of the building and chant over and over again, we want money. We want
0: money. Like they just expect it to be handed out. I don't know
1: flint lady j roadblock and ripcord listen to the manager of the currency production and uh explain that in a few short days buying and selling have been replaced with rioting and new money cannot be produced because cobra commander will simply destroy the bills
0: oh and then that that reminds me around the poker table when uh fenders money bursts up, <laughs> ripcord he's like did Joe cash just do the big flash <laughs> i was like what he you mean, he has you mean so roadblock like, who did i say
1: you said ripcord <laughs>
0: Oh, no, yeah, that was totally roadblock. Ripcord doesn't talk like that. Yeah, no, yeah, roadblock, man. He has so many good lines. It's great.
1: Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> he has one coming up later that I wrote down because I couldn't believe he said it.
0: <laughs> He's got a few.
1: So uh, an employee in the printing uh, section of the Treasury Department, bursts out of an office and tells his boss that the hissing fool is back on television. <laughs> Cobra Commander announces to the world that Cobra's economic recovery plan will allow people to exchange their valuables for Cobra currency at extensive enterprise buildings.
0: Oh, is it this guy? He's like, "Hey, uh, you know, Cobra Commander or whoever, he's he's on the TV." And then he like lifts up his watch. Yeah. Right? It's like a little TV on his watch. I was like, yeah. "That's
1: bizarre." Yeah. And what I want to know at this point is how is Extensive
0: Enterprises not shut down by the
1: U.S. government? Already? I,
0: I know. Well, I guess they do talk about it a little bit, and just that um, they're like, oh, we're just doing the business exchanges. So, yeah, but I I'm talking about
1: before all of this happened.
0: <laughs> no, like, no, they should obviously be completely <laughs> shut down and the the, the the twins be in jail. Like, I think that's obvious. No, did we pass up the part where, okay, so they're in the right, and just Flint and Lady J, and I forget who else is with them uh ripcord are just trying to get into the building
1: no we're gonna get to that part now
0: okay okay okay
1: so uh believing the joes uh have led uh have a lead flint and other joes travel to extensive enterprises where a line of people stretches around several city blocks as the joes walk towards the entrance of the offices the crowd tells the joes to get in line
0: There's like this hippie guy, you know, he's got long blonde hair. He's like, hey, and he's like total jerk.
1: And one of the men grabs Lady J and throws her to the ground.
0: He just like, I mean, manhandles her, right? He's just like, hey, get in line. And then they keep walking. He just grabs her and chucks her. And through this whole scene, Flint does nothing. What? (laughs) Dude, there's some man credit. I cannot believe this happens. One, I mean, Lady J can take care of herself. And I can't believe she would just allow herself to get tossed by this jerk. Right, but then on top of it, Flint's just like sitting there watching around, and it wasn't even Flint who jumped in to save it. I think it was Ripcord, yeah, to like take the guy down, and then he starts getting hit with a purse fight like, from some lady from behind, and yep.
1: Anyway. And then uh, we have uh, Ripcord tackles lady J's assailant, right, and tells him that they don't want a fight. However, the citizens surround the Joes and attack them, even as Flint yells for the Joes not to fight back. Um.
0: So the Exit. crowd comes all in. And. Yeah.
1: So then we have exiting his truck, worst father of the year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whoever this cowboy is, he, yeah. he his daughter, he puts his daughter, or she stays in the, the daughter, bed of the truck.
1: Yeah. His daughter, Libby. Yeah, she's and, in the bed of the truck, which yeah, you're not yeah. allowed to legally do anymore.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in the 80s, man, you would, you would get away with anything. But, oh, yeah. But nowadays, yeah, you would get uh, DCFS called on you in a second. I,
1: I remember my dad saying, we're going to the lumber store and we would drive in his pickup truck and then he would load up all the two by fours and stuff like that in the back of the truck and then he'd be like okay now sit on it we're going to drive home
0: <laughs> keep this stuff down <laughs> keep this from blowing away and hold on tight right <laughs> no so this this guy this cowboy whoever he was he, like leaves his daughter Libby in the truck and takes off to go like help or you know i mean i think he's trying to help the joes i don't think he's like going out no, he
1: was going he was going to offer his rope so that they could tie up the joes
0: what oh he's like, even more of a jerk than i thought yeah. like, what a turd.
1: so he so, acts he accidentally knocks the gear shift loose as he's walking towards the crowd and he offers his rope he's like hey i got some rope here we could hog tie him
0: uh, so then the truck gets put in neutral yep.
1: and as he walks over to the crowd his truck with his daughter still in the bed of the truck begins to swerve wildly as it rolls down a hill Right. Uh, Alpine grabs the rope from his father uh, from the father's hands and lassos Libby and pulls her out of the truck and into his hands before the truck smashes through glass doors of extended, Extensive Enterprises.
0: Right. Um,
1: so mm-hmm. the father turns to the crowd, tells them to let the Joes through since they have saved his daughter's life, and everyone does it very disgruntled.
2: Disgruntledly, right, disgruntil-
1: they're like, it. "All right, I'm fine." <laughs> The Joes burst into the office and threatened to shut down the twins' organization. But what I noticed is they took the elevator up. Yeah, ding. Why would you take the elevator up if you know cobras are in there? <laughs> I don't know. It's like you're in a trap.
0: <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we're going to talk even more about their, their poor infiltration choices uh, <laughs> throughout this episode. <laughs> not, not this not this cartoon episode, but our podcast episode. Yes. But the Joes, uh, I'm kind of starting to wonder how stealthy their approaches are.
1: <laughs> this is true. So the Joes, uh, like I said, they burst into the Twins organization. Uh, however, the Twins counter that they are merely acting as brokers for a percentage of the gross. And I think this is when uh, Roadblock says, "I'm going to trouble your faces into pasta."
0: I know. <laughs> it's like, well, as they're talking, like one says one part of the sentence, the other one says the other, and it keeps cutting back to either twin, and then the group of Joes as they're just like looking back and forth. Yeah. And they're like, "This is so annoying." <laughs> And right. Roblox like, I'm gonna trouble your faces into pasta. And you're like, oh, that's terrible. What do you? What does that even mean? I
1: don't even know what that means. That's again one of those ones where I don't understand. <laughs> There's so
0: many times he just has a. you're like, so, what? yeah. So
1: uh, so as the Joes leave the office, Flint winks to Roblox, indicating that he has a plan. Uh, at an airfield, three Cobra agents escorting a Miss Hender Hornch uh, <laughs> are attacked by the Joes and Lady J disguises herself as Miss Hender Hornch right. and boards the plane with the twins. And at this point, I was like, did the writers for G.I. Joe come from Scooby-Doo? <laughs>
2: yes.
1: Because they always have, like, masks that they're peeling. Like, <laughs> I would have gotten away with
0: it if it wasn't for them damn Cobras. Or it's like just Mission... Imp- I think the same writers ended up writing Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> that, too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um,
1: so... Uh, Let's see. Where did I leave off here? So uh, Flint, Alpine, and Thunder walk over to a fuel truck where the once unappreciative Miss Henderhorn is now laughing and tells Flint that she has learned the most wonderful recipe for a souffle from Roadblock.
0: (laughs) He just smiles. He's like, hey, I'm a gourmet.
1: (laughs) Uh, Lady J, who's disguised as Miss Hender-Hornch, uh activates a homing device inside her brooch and the Joes scramble in order to follow her. Ace Ripcord and Ripcord trail uh, the extensive Enterprise's jet until it heads towards a mountain uh, in the Rockies <laughs> and disappears... <All> right.
0: <laughs> I remember Miss Hinderhorn, like, right as they run out, they're like, oh, she turned on her signal, and then she's like, Yo-Jo! <laughs> she just, like, yodels after them. The yo Joe, cry, and I'd be like, hey, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> like, they like, put you're, a stop to that right you're away. You're not a member. No, no, no. You don't, you don't get the privilege to yodel.
1: So uh, the the jet disappears in, in, without a sign uh, of wreckage appearing on the infrared scanners. Uh, Tomax and Zaymot, upon landing, explain to Lady J that the Cobra troops as well as Cobra polar troops are in constant readiness to keep her valuables safe in their vault, uh, which lady J again disguises Miss Hender uh, asks if she can visit the vault and taking Tomax's arm. Lady J is escorted into the vault while, uh, uh, checks up on their business associates. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ripcord and Ace learn that lady J's signal is still being broadcasted and the mountain doesn't appear on radar. Uh, Tomax explains that the entire Cobra Temple holds the largest stockpile of valuable, tangible goods ever assembled. Lady J cuts through a door and asks, what is in the next room?
0: I mean, she would just, like, in mid-sentence, just take off and run. Jake. like, what's over here? And, shoo, <laughs> and run off, open a door, and there's, like, piles of money and coins. And you're like, yep. what's over here? And she would just run <laughs> off and, like... These guys have no security. There's no soldier or trooper standing outside of any doors. They're just like open doors to vaults of money. Yep. She sees uh, conveyor
1: belts that carry coins painted with gold paint. Uh, Lady J then walks through another door and catches uh, sight of the thermal molecular ignition transmitter. (laughs) That is such a mouthful.
0: They they need an acronym for it. It doesn't break down. It's like T-M-I-T. It's
1: the T-M-I-T. (laughs) T-M-I-T. Um, and she comments that it looks like a big radio. Uh, Lady J pulls out a gun and attempts to shoot the, the team it, Cause I'm not yeah. going to say it again.
0: <laughs> yeah. There you go.
1: <laughs> However, Zaymat enters the room and knocks her, uh, off target. Tomax grabs Lady J and her gun, but she slips out of her clothes, which, you know, I was hoping
0: for a little bit more to show after that. Well, you know, she's got like this, uh, <laughs> blazer on, you know, like a business suit, bla- right. you know, a skirt. And a shirt underneath it, right? So it's just like a blouse or something underneath it. And he pulls the blazer off and it's like poof. She's in her like camo gear. You know what I mean? She's got right. like her <laughs> her Joe like collared shirt underneath and then her pants. She has her pants on. <laughs> and just a second ago she was wearing a skirt. Skirt.
1: How does she hide
0: what? that? What? Her she had her pants pulled up, I guess, around her thighs, and it just drops down and she has boots some, from somewhere.
1: And for her next trick, she pulls out a, a GI Joe Mauler.
0: And she had her, but she had her javelins on her back too. Yes. <laughs> like were they in that huge purse, like that she was carrying around?
1: So, so she she rips off her mask. She kicks Tomax in the stomach, uh, causing both twins to collapse to the floor. Uh, she tosses. Right? She tosses, and
0: she's th- like, uh, she's like, huh, double play, right? Well, yeah. She says that, but don't they already? I I thought they already established that they many times. <laughs> Yeah, so Lady J is either slow on the uptake or didn't wasn't debriefed on that particular mission. Right. Uh or she's just I don't know. I don't she was surprised and I was surprised that Lady J didn't know about this already. And yeah. that happens over and over and over in this episode. Yeah.
1: Um so we have uh she tosses a javelin towards the, a red right glass dome that serves as an eye for the cobra-shaped vault. And climbs out while under fire from several Cobra agents and a Crimson Guard. Which I made a note here that Lady J has hops because I she jumped. Lo- <laughs> she jumped like 50 feet in the air to reach that. <laughs> she used the Force.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I, yeah, it makes no sense. There's no rope or. or um, I she should have she should have thrown the, the javelin right that would have had some kind of extender rope or something, right. you know. So
1: she she flips. Uh, a snow serpent off his skis, just, the snow serpent that just happened to be skiing on top of the vault.
0: <laughs> Doesn't, yeah, I, Yeah, there's no snow up there. <laughs> and there's just a snow serpent with skis on top of this metal surface or whatever yeah. you know the surface of it is. Now, does she chuck him down that hole that she just created?
1: Yeah, I believe she so
0: does. he drops 50 feet. <laughs> I wonder if he had a parachute.
1: <laughs> Probably.
0: It's like, poof, the parachute comes out, whoo, close away. <laughs>
1: No, deaths are okay as long as they don't show uh,
0: it. Yeah, as all. long as you don't see it. You just hear the Wilhelm scream. He's like, hi!
1: <laughs> so Jay, uh, Lady J grabs the skis and makes an escape. Uh, Ripcord notices that Lady J's signal has stopped, so he, je- he ejects and tells Ace that his uh. instincts say that the mountain is not really there on the ground.
0: Like, so Ripcord is insane with a death wish. Like, it. you know, I understand, if he would have said, look, we have Lady J's signal... This is obviously, this could be, you know, something's wrong with this. Let's drop a missile, right? (laughs) Or something Well, here's my (laughs) thought with it. He, okay,
1: so he doesn't pull his chute until he's through the hologram. Right. And he says, it's too late already, I can't pull my chute. Why would you not have pulled your chute early and then... Thinking that okay, either one or two things are going to happen. Either I'm going to land on a mountain safely, <laughs> right? Or I'm going to pass through the mountain.
0: Yeah, and then in that in which case you'll be floating down just like you did.
1: No, instead, not, instead this fool says no, I'm not going to pull my chute. And if that's too late, and if that goes, mountain's real, I'm going to go like, splat.
0: No, Joe, splat. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> I know that's it. Ripcord Min- minus one, Joe, for this mission. <laughs> It makes no sense. It was ridiculous. I I think it was just a way to show how brave and maybe crazy Ripcord is, but it just shows how retarded. It just (laughs) he's just ridiculously slow. Like there's no reason to do that.
1: Um. So he does pass through the hologram and radios Flint that he may need some help.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But not even on the mission. He's just like mentally. (laughs) I I have been having issues. (laughs) When we get back, I need to see a counselor, man. Can you like, call Doc? <laughs> I know exactly.
1: So Flint and several other generic Joe paratroopers drop from a cargo plane with snow cats, sluggers, skyhawks, armadillos, and maulers.
0: Holy crap, were they prepared? <laughs> they had like an entire army in this cargo plane. It was uh, like dozens and dozens of vehicles.
1: Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Lady J attempts to to lose the Crimson Guard commanders while skiing. Uh, Cobra commander orders Destro and the Baroness to attack the Joes in Cobra flight pods while he will direct the battle from a remote location. (laughs)
0: He's like, I'm out of here. You guys go get (laughs) him." And Destro totally calls him out. He's like, where do you think
3: you're going?
0: Yep. He's like, I'm, I'm going to direct the battle from a a remote location. I'm
1: I'm over here. (laughs) (laughs) Lady J falls down a cliff, uh, and Tomax goes down to, uh, to retrieve her while the Joes continue to attack the Cobra forces. Uh, watching the battle from a distance, Destro turns towards Firefly and orders him to melt the snow with a flamethrower, flame once again proving that Firefly will do his job.
0: Yeah, he is the only one to date to be able to do any of this stuff. Now, right before this, uh, Roadblocks and an armadillo cruising through the snow, and he says, come on, cobra, meet your mongoose. <laughs> that one at least makes a little sense.
1: Right, because a mongoose attacks cobras. Exactly. yeah. Now, Um,
0: why isn't there a a G.I. Joe character named Mongoose? I don't know. That would be an awesome codename.
1: They came close with Footloose. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know.
0: But it's just much more lame.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I was just overwhelmed by, because I never thought about how much Firefly actually does complete the missions that he's asked to do. Yeah,
0: until we we did the rewatch. And then every time he's asked to do something, he he just shows up, he does it.
1: Yeah. Destro said melt the snow. He melted the snow. That's Uh, (laughs) so the ice is melted.
0: You know, I would be worried if Destro ran a terrorist organization with Firefly as his lieutenant. Yeah. And that was it. Like, yeah. if there were no other... If the Dreadnoughts weren't involved, if Cobra Commander wasn't involved, that would be a serious threat, and uh, the and, Joes wouldn't stand a chance.
1: <laughs> and they just had an army of bats that just followed the orders.
0: Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, man.
1: Because the bats, I remember being That's pretty dangerous. deadly and dangerous, too.
0: And, well, there's there's maybe a couple other Cobra's, like Wild Weasel, I think. He hasn't yeah. really made any terrible mistakes, or, huh. you know, some of these guys. But, yeah, you don't you don't invite the Dreadnoughts. You don't... Huh. I think any time you have Destro, Baroness, and Cobra Commander... You, in yeah. charge, they end up um, backstabbing each other, right. and then it, it fails. Just tell
1: Cobra Commander to go spend time with Flint off in their cabin in the woods or something. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Duke, Duke, <laughs> not Flint, because Flint Flint's leading the mission. Duke is off getting captured by exactly, Cobra
0: Commander. Exactly, I like Flint's the only one running the operation.
1: Right. So, uh, in fact, Flint becomes a badass here because uh, the ice is melted and the water floods the, the Joe's position, and the Baroness demands that the Joe surrender since she has them surrounded with radio controlled Cobra Asps. Um, yeah. Flint destroys several Asps with this Skyhawk because he's like, oh, hell no. Right. And, uh, Flint f- flies towards the Cobra Vault, and before Zaymot can shoot Lady J, Flint leaps out of the Skyhawk and tackles Zaymot to the ground.
0: Yeah, I think I wrote down Flint is uh kicking asps and taking names. <laughs> wow. He 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 ran this entire battle. Like Duke is nowhere in this episode. He ran Flint ran this entire battle. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: Um as he punches Zaymot Tomax who has climbed back up on the <laughs> to the snowbank collapses <laughs> uh after uh Lady J kicks Tomax and both of them fall to the ground. She twists uh, the Crimson Guard commander's arm behind his back, causing the other brother to cry out in pain.
0: He's just, like, flailing around in the ground with his (laughs) arm behind his back. Like, oh, my gosh, these guys are terrible.
1: Uh, Ripcord climbs out of the Cobra vault. Uh, A Cobra trooper hears him, turns around, and aims his gun at Ripcord. Uh, And then next thing we see is Ripcord climbs up to where Flint and Lady J are uh watching the battle and all 3 Joes watch the vault explode and Tomex and Zaymot escape. And at this point, I'm glad they do explain it later, but I was like, how did they just like try to pretend like Ripcord <laughs> didn't have a gun pointed at his head?
0: Well, I kind of I don't know, I had I I, I thought that in, initially I was like, wait, did I miss something or or something like that cuz he just shows up. Right. right. And he was obviously just there on top of the the vault right before it explodes. And then I kind of thought but well, this is kind of cool that they expect the viewer to be, in, you know, be. Or I think it made Ripcord even more cool. Well, not break that, but it kind of made Ripcord more cool like what you, you don't see. Somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 it's just that he's he's resourceful enough to get out of a situation like that.
1: I just thought it was a bad editing job.
0: <laughs> it looks like that. When you watch it, it does look like that. I'm trying to give it some credit. Yeah.
1: Well, no, it does get credit because they do explain it.
0: Yeah, they do. Uh,
1: in a, well, kind of explain it, but uh, we'll get into that when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> so um looking into the sky the cobra agents scramble to grab as many of the cobra coins as they can and the baroness yells that the coins will be useless unless they defeat the joes however cobra forces are de- are destroyed and the baroness escapes
0: oh okay wait wait wait. so all when all these coins are coming down and the joes are rounding up all the troopers once again roblox <laughs> says <laughs> let's deposit these tookies in the bank of sing sing <laughs> I'm like,
1: man. Is the, bank, goes, is the Bank of Sing Sing really?
0: I don't know. Apparently, you can just deposit people in there. <laughs> and he calls everybody turkeys. Yes. I'm a little offended by this.
1: <laughs> I think Turkish people should be offended by it. Uh, probably. Uh, so back at Joe headquarters, Ace, Roadblock, Thunder, Alpine, and Ripcord continue their game of poker. And as Ace reveals his flush and begins to grab the cash in the pot, he asks Ripcord how he escaped from the Cobra Trooper. Uh, Co- Ripcord explains that it was no big deal. He simply tied the Cobra's shoelaces together and watched <laughs> them fall flat on his face. <laughs> but here's the thing. He must have tied those shoelaces really, really fast.
0: <laughs> I know, because he like pops up the window, and then the guy turns and points his gun at him. Right. Ripcord's yeah. got some fast hands, and if his, hand, <laughs> if, if his hands are that fast, I would not play him in poker.
1: No. So and thus ends the episode. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: What did you think about it overall? Did you like this one?
1: Um yeah, I did actually. Um I mean it was actually <laughs> we
0: like ripping apart we're like hey this one's okay. <laughs> it actually I mean it was
1: I I don't know how they were burning the money but it was a solid plan by Cobra. Right. To financially bankrupt you know the United States and I think it would have been in real life that would even be worse. Than uh, how how it was. It
0: would have been worse than a minor uh, riot outside of the bank saying we want money. Right. It would have been much worse than that. Right. <laughs> um, I
1: I like that they decided to hide their base this time with a hologram. Yes, they of just... are.
0: If if it wasn't for Ripcord's bravery slash stupidity, <laughs> uh, I don't think they would have been found out. And um,
1: because normally they just put a giant snake head on something and they go, "Here's our base,"
0: <laughs> and put it out in the open for anybody <laughs> to see with a satellite. Right. <laughs> or happens to be flying by. Right.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, no, I thought it was it was a good episode. Um, a lot of good action at the end of it. Uh,
0: I liked seeing the snow cats and the yeah. like all the vehicle drops. Like I kind of made fun of it a bit, but it, I mean, anytime you have the big battles, like to me that that makes the, the episode really worth it. Like that big fight at the end. And, yeah. Um, I, when I was a kid, man, I loved the Cobra Twins. Like I thought I thought that connection oh, yeah. was kind of cool even though it really makes no sense why they would ever be in a combat field because they're just a liability but um yeah i mean i just the cobra twins i thought were awesome when i was oh born. yeah
1: when i was and i didn't do the like when i played with the the cobra twins as as the action figures i didn't do the whole they you know you yeah, hit, I didn't do hit, hit one, <laughs> you hit one and the other one falls also <laughs> maybe once or twice but that was it yeah. um the speaking of the cobra twins i don't know if you saw from toy fair the Joe Creos, another wave of them are coming out. And, oh,
0: yeah, I heard you guys talking about it. And
1: they are doing, uh, Tomax and Zaymot will be in there. However, one of them, I don't know, I can't remember which one. I think it's Tomax. Tomax comes as one of the little minifig packs.
0: Uh huh.
1: Zaymot comes with the Cobra drone.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So, I'm on The only one way hand, to get them. Yeah, so on one hand, you're like, oh, cool, you do get both of them. but on, And yes, it's awesome that they're doing the Cobra Teradrome, but if you don't want to spend 100 bucks on the Cobra Teradrome, you can't get both Tom- Tomax and Zaymont.
0: <laughs> Which is going to make uh, whoever's with the Teradrome a ridiculously priced figure. Oh, yeah. You know, in, in the aftermarket. So if you go on eBay and you just want to pick up him, the only way to get it is somebody who is willing to buy the Teradrome and wants to make some of that money back by selling Zaymont or whoever yeah. Yeah. on eBay. So you can, I'm sure you'll be able to get him without getting the Teradrome, but it's almost...
1: It's almost going to cost you as much.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to spend thirty, forty dollars on this little Creo figure.
1: Right. I'm sure. Oh yeah. So, um, but I still think it's awesome. I no, just, I
0: th- yeah, I think that if you don't, you know, unless you really want to keep that figure, that might be the way to go if you want the TeraDrome.
1: Yeah. So now we get into our, our next episode, uh, Operation Mind Menace, uh, and it's by Martin Pasco.
0: Yeah, this came out October fifteenth, nineteen eighty-five. Nice. So this whole batch we're we're going over was the week of the 14th through the 18th. So that week, each of these came out.
1: Nice. And uh, this one kind of features both Flash and Airborne, which when I heard Airborne talk, I was like, that voice sounds really familiar. Right. And I don't know if you did any homework, but do you know who does the voice of Flash and Airborne? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Oh,
0: yes. Yeah, yeah, I do.
1: Airborne is Peter Cullen.
0: Yeah, I, I recognize that right away, yeah.
1: And Flash is Frank Welker.
0: I didn't know the Frank... What's Frank Welker?
1: Uh, Megatron.
0: What? No, I didn't realize that at all. So, I, I picked up on uh, op, you know, Optimus Prime's yeah. voice, but I didn't think... I, I'm going to have to re-listen to that again.
1: So you have Optimus Prime and Megatron working together.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like flying around together, best bud. Now, this one, it was interesting. When I was watching this with my kids, and my son Connor, he was like, oh, this is my favorite one. I was like, what? Like... <laughs> Out of all of them, out of all the G.I. Joe episodes, every this single one. <laughs> and he, so he really liked this one for some reason, and okay. it was—he um, never really told me why. I, I kind of asked him, and he was just—but uh, he's watched this series enough that once the Operation Mind Menace you know, a title card came up, he's like, yeah. "Ooh, this is my favorite one." I'm like, "Seriously? All right." Like, <laughs> I was impressed that he knew him that well. But yeah, this opening sequence cracks me up. Go yeah. ahead and explain it.
1: So uh, we're flying over some of the ruins on Easter Island and Flash and Airborne attempt to knock a few Cobra Fang helicopters out of the sky.
0: Right, so you've got, like, those huge he- stone heads that are right. carved, you know, lined yeah. up on Easter Island, yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, and while they're attempting to rescue a hostage who is <laughs> lashed to the railing of a Cobra Fang.
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay, if you're going to go take a hostage, why would you use a Cobra Fang <laughs> to go do it? <laughs> the only place to put an extra body is, like, on the runner right. of this tiny, tiny helicopter, which, you got to think, even that's, I mean, she's sure she's a female, and it's maybe an, only an extra hundred pounds. Right. But the whole Still. time you're flying, you're going to be compensating for that. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> you're leaning to the right a little bit.
0: Oh geez, <laughs> like the the Cobras, did they ever have a, a mid-sized helicopter? The, they, they always had the Fang, and then they had the big Mamba, right? Mamba, Which is yeah. Huge that, I mean, yeah. that one was enormous. So there was never. That's always something about the. They did have a vehicle. dragonfly. Yeah, exactly. Thing. That would yeah. that could that could seat two or three people or in previous episodes four or five people sit right. sitting next to each other. <laughs>
1: Eighteen
2: people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, anyway, yeah, so, it was just
0: a terrible place. Like she would just be I'm impressed with that. I mean, that she wasn't passed out from fight, just being like barely tied to the runner of this.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Um so then we have uh, Lady J and Duke. Uh uh, wa- are watching Tommy, which is Airborne's kid brother. And As soon as I saw Duke, I'm like, it's only going to be a matter of time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will say, um, I uh, I think I watched the. F- I didn't. I wasn't able to see this entire episode. I think I saw most of it, but um, something came up. I was helping my daughter with something, and so I I think I, I watched. If you were to break this up into fourths or something, I, I think I watched. A little less than the first half of it, but anyway, so go ahead.
1: So in an experiment to to test uh, Tommy's psionic powers in a lab, uh, Duke explains to Lady J that most people aren't told that Tommy has psi powers because his gifts spook people. Uh, As one of the scientists turns over a card with a shape, Tommy attempts to choose the matching card from a set that is turned face down. However, he fails and turns away from the table in frustration. Just when the Joes and the scientists think that Tommy has...
0: Well, this was like card after card yeah. after card. They're like, look, he, he's a really gifted side talent and all this stuff. And he misses like six times in a row. Yep. It's like, what, why do they even have this kid? I kept
1: thinking of uh, the opening scene for Ghostbusters where he's like, you're just not getting it.
0: <laughs> it's like, I didn't know you were going to be giving me electric shocks. <laughs> Um, so he's getting upset that he's not getting these right. Yep. And then that's so just, when power... just
1: when the Joes and the scientists think that Tommy has failed the test, Tommy's eyes roll back in his head.
2: <laughs> <He's> like, <"Rrr."
1: laughs> and the cards begin to float around the room on their own. So this is when we find out that Tommy is actually a telekinetic. Eh, enter Kinetic, Professor and then He
0: has a connection. Yeah. <laughs> so he can move things with his mind. But he also has a uh, psych or a telepathic connection with his brother Airborne. Yep. Which I thought this was kind of a strange thing to throw in the middle of G.I. Joe, but
1: it is, but at the same time like you you've heard about like twins sharing like things like that or
0: siblings. Well, um, I mean they've I, already established it with the the, you know, Crimson Guard commanders, but right. not to I mean, in, this, to this is level. like this is yeah. kind of in a different way, but
1: Yeah. So, uh Airborne and Flash continue their their uh fight with Cobra in the air. And as the defensive units uh, hidden in the statues hit the Joe's helicopter, uh, causing it to crash into the water, Tommy grabs his head and exclaims that his brother, Franklin, codename Airborne, is in trouble. Uh, yeah, I thought the, it
0: was cool. Like the, the cover, they put these uh, lasers in these big stone heads, like right in their eyes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Eye beams. <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, the government agents explain that Tommy's link with his brother has been felt two times in the past and that the link is especially sensitive when the other is in extreme danger. Right. So then we have Storm Shadow and three Cobra agents break into, uh, the lab room and kidnap Tommy. And I made a note here that Storm Shadow did not sound like Storm Shadow.
0: Exactly. I said, (laughs) what's with Storm Shadow's voice? Like, he says something. I forget. He's like get the jaws but the way he says it it's just like this weird european accent he sounded
1: way more gruff than he normally sounds
0: yeah it was like they must have somebody come. like whoever does his voice wasn't available that week because it's normally
1: this peaceful like tone
0: (laughs) yeah it's like i mean and it has the kind of a you know like an asian you know uh accent to it a bit you know at least a little bit right yeah get the jaws yeah that's what it would normally sound like but he's like get the jaws and like (laughs) the way he says it you're like what this is like a Maybe they had the Baroness come in and do a man's voice. Or something. I was
1: like, maybe this isn't Storm Shadow. <laughs>
0: I was like, this is not. Yeah, I said that's what I wrote. Like, what is with Storm Shadow's voice? Now, the the big, um, real quick, going yeah. back the the firefight on Easter Island, I remember there being loads of Star Wars sounds. Oh you know yeah, that, like there was oh, like yeah. there even R two D two beeps like as they yes. were punching buttons and things and yeah. um like like um X wings of course you know, of them. I, yeah. That was just loaded with him. I mean, yeah. we, we say it all the time, but that particular fight scene was loaded with him.
1: Oh, yeah. I heard TIE fighters left and right. So. Yeah, all the time. So uh, the Joes in the control room race down to rescue Tommy. Uh, one of the two Cobra agents fighting the Joes shouts at an old man known as Carmendy uh, wearing a headband to he's use like
0: the, He's like in a sack. Hours. He's like in a burlap sack yeah. with like a rope belt. And yep. then he has this weird Cobra headband on, and you're like, well,
1: That's what all the crazy old men in G.I. Joe wear is the burlap sack. Here's
0: your burlap sack. Put it on. We'll give you a belt. It's a So,
1: brainwashed by the cobra headband, which that headband always has to have, like, this cobra head on. I know. know. Uh, Carmandy uh, shoots fire from uh, the snake's mouth on his headband and creates a ring of fire around the Joes and the government agent. Uh, I did not put this down as a capture of Duke. (laughs) Because they (laughs) Because they do bust out of this.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. It's not a long-term uh, capture. Yeah, yeah, no. It just so, it just uh, it just delays them a bit, I suppose.
1: Exactly. Um, but don't worry, we'll get to a capture later.
0: <laughs> it's coming.
1: So Duke shoots a hole in a nearby wall, and everyone slips through the ring of fire uh, without catching on fire. So right. uh, Flash and Airborne crawl onto a beach and are captured by several Cobra agents. Uh, Flash tries to find out why they kidnapped the Hawaiian girl from Honolulu, but the Cobra officer in charge reveals nothing and suggests that the Cobra that Cobra Commander might explain his latest plan if the Joes live long enough to find out. Um, You're outside-
0: lucky. I'll tell you what I'm doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> outside the lab, Wild Weasel flies Cobra's uh, transport plane uh, into the air after listening to Destro's impatience. Uh, meanwhile, Duke and Lady J reach the, their Skyhawks and fly after their teammate's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Destro explains to Cobra Commander that he that the latest captive is related to a member of the Joe's team, and the Psy amplifier works perfectly, and there is, a little, there is little chance their captives will turn their powers on Cobra due to the Neural Disruptor. Uh, Destro discovers two Joes trailing the Cobra transport plane and decides...
0: Which, to... I guess, I mean, that's just foreshadowing the fact that it, it, it will happen. That yes. they will turn their powers on Cobra. Of <laughs> like, course. Like, the fact that they even mention it, you're like, okay, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you exactly. immediately know.
1: Exactly. Um, so, we see that, uh, let's see. Sorry, totally No, no, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just trying to pick up where I left off here. Um... Destro discovers two Joes trailing uh, Cobra, the Cobra transport plane and decides to field test Tommy's ability. So he slips the side amplifier onto Tommy's head and takes a glass elevator to the top of the plane, which just Listen, happens to be there.
0: <laughs> that's very strange. I understand it's a huge plane, but for there to be like a glass elevator in the middle of it?
1: Because often I go, you know what this plane really needs is a glass <laughs> elevator in the back so that I could pop up and take care of looking at people flying behind me.
0: Yeah, it's very elaborate <laughs> and weird.
1: Um, standing beside Tommy, Destro watches the boy destroy the engine section of the Joe Skyhawks and the Joe's parachute to safety. Uh, Cobra Commander's ass asked, Which bite. I
0: thought that was cool. I mean, this is like oh, straight yeah. out of X-Men or something. I mean, these yep. abilities he has. So, I mean, I thought it was cool. I do still think it's weird in a G.I. Joe environment, but I thought it was cool for the episode. I think yes. that's why my, my son Connor really dug it, because of the powers they're
1: oh, yeah. you know showing. Yeah. I'm sure as a kid, I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, Cobra commander is asked by airborne to grant a dying man's last request, uh, to be told what will happen to his brother, Tommy, uh, Cobra commander explains that the boy and many others will learn to master their powers and will become Cobra's living weapons. And this is when we kind of see like all these prisoners that they have. And I'm like, how many side people are there out there? <laughs> Cause, oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, because well, he's like, load them all up. And it's like <laughs> armies and armies of people in burlap sacks.
0: <laughs> I know, just different colors. Like you get the green burlap sack, you get the light tan one. Now there's a couple of things is when, um, when, uh, who well, okay. So when Tommy blows up the Skyhawk and then Lady Jade crashes it into the Washington Monument, mm-hmm. I was like, Holy crap. Like, you can tell none of this, none of the, if that had happened, if, if uh, an aircraft had smashed into the Washington Monument today. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine the hysteria? And she's like, oh, they're going to have to do some sandblasting. And they just <laughs> walk off, you know, like, oh, well, we'll tell, yeah, we'll tell Washington guess, to take care of it.
1: I guess we'll take care of that later.
0: And then the other thing is they put these, uh, the Joes in these really weird cages. They're like these oh, yeah. trapezoidal, you know, pyramid type cages. And then the way they move them is they bringing his tank with a lar- really long crane, crane on it, yeah, like sticking way off the front, like a like a lance or something, you know, just right off the front of it. Yep. And it just reaches down, picks it up and it's carrying it like, like, oh, don't get too close to these guys. Like <laughs> It's like way out in front of it. there has to be an easier way to transport prisoners.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: It makes no sense.
1: So then we have uh, Destro slips a psi amplifier on Tommy's head and Airborne screams his brother's name as Tommy turns away from him and creates some stone creatures with from the stone heads on Easter Island. Now, one thing I did notice, or I noted, I said that Tommy sounds like he's stoned when he's like, don't have me hurt my brother.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's out of it.
1: <laughs> and hey, man. what I wanted to know is where do the stone bodies come from?
0: I guess just... <laughs> What what you don't know is all of these heads are attached to a body that's in the ground. Like They were buried long like there ago. There's an old ancient prank where these guys got buried in the sand when they weren't paying attention. And then Tommy has awoken them. And they're so PO'd by the fact that they've been buried up to their chins like this whole this yeah. whole time.
1: And as we've learned, Cobra loves having their giant creatures made of some type of element.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a common theme. Yes. Despite, well, but we haven't, I don't think we've seen one since the miniseries, but
1: yeah, since the water creatures or whatever.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so as Cobra's forces escape, uh, Airborne and Flash begin to fire at the two stone creatures. Uh, the Joes continue to run from the stone beings, but reach a cliff uh, high above the sea. Uh, flying a new pair of Skyhawks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, got to walk back and grab a couple more Skyhawks.
1: Duke and Lady J fly towards Easter Island because it was the last location of their teammates uh, reported before they were shot down. Uh, flying his Skyhawk towards his friends, Duke drops a ladder. Uh, as the stone creatures try to smash the Joes, they grab the edge of the cliff. Flash turns to the right and sees the Skyhawks coming to their rescue. Just as one of the Moabs, which is what they're called, I guess. Right, the stone creatures. Uh, yeah uh hand slams down to crush the Joes. They drop from the cliff and catch the ladders and fly to safety as Easter Island explodes. Right. And kills the poor giants. So <laughs> Duke explains that they lost uh that they lost Cobra, but Airborne explains that Cobra Commander couldn't help but boast about his base on top of Cape Twelve, which is um Mount Everest.
0: Right. So. Okay. What I love here <laughs> It's how I, Airborne's riding along with Duke on the Skyhawk. Alright, I don't know how fast they're flying. Okay. Uh-huh. But Airborne's just like hanging on the side of this thing and they're all talking like through the window. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just flying the Skyhawk he's and at Airborne's
1: the, just... He does not have the scream or anything. He's just... I
0: know. <laughs> like there's no headset. They can just talk to each other through this. It looks like uh a...
1: He's just like Hey Duke! Hey! <laughs>
2: Duke, go to K-12. Cobra Commander said to go to K-12.
0: It's like, fly, Duke's just like looking ahead all happy, and Airborne's just sitting outside in the mid midair. You right. know, it looks like he's just flying alongside him. Oh my gosh, that's so funny.
1: So Airborne requests Duke to stop off at headquarters so he can pick up.
0: <laughs> so he, So he can get in a real vehicle? <laughs> he's like, Hey, Duke! Hey, Duke, can we we go back to base?
2: I gotta pick something up! It's called out here. (laughs) (laughs) So, Snowjob
1: finds the base and uh, radios Duke, who is flying in a Sky Striker, that the base nearby must belong to Cobra since there is nothing else for Miles.
2: Uh.
1: Uh, Riding towards the fortress in polar bear, uh, polar battle bear uh, ski mobiles, the Joes approach the fortress. Uh, the Hawaiian girl, who has the ability to leave her body and travel the world, exits her body and causes the laser cannons on Flash and Stalker's mobile to overload and explode. And the thing I noticed here is that Stalker notices that something's wrong with Flash. Like, he's like, I get this weird feeling all of a sudden. And I'm like, but she's not entering you, she's entering Flash. Yeah. How do, how do you know how it feels?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I don't think Flash was acting that different. Or...
1: No. Um... Flash suggests that they approach the girl and scare her into thinking that they will move her body so that she will reintegrate. Um, and that actually works. Uh, Blowtorch, this is, oh my God, this one cracks me up. So <laughs> Blowtorch races towards Carmody, who creates a wall of fire between himself and Blowtorch, but the heat from the flames causes the ice near Carmody to melt and chunks of ice fall on him and bury him alive. Blowtorch then uses his flamethrower, To melt the ice and free Carmody.
0: (laughs) Why would you not just dig them out? (laughs) It's like, hey, look, I'm here on this mission for a reason. I'm going to use this blowtorch every opportunity (laughs) I can. What? There's a guy covered in snow? I'll just very skillfully melt the snow and not barbecue this guy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, seriously? What
0: the heck? I love love the, the little screenshot yeah. A blowtorch just, like, blasting this guy.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: it looks like he's just melting them.
1: It looks like he's, yeah, he's just going to melt the whole thing.
0: <laughs> and
1: I'm like, he can't be that far underneath the snow.
0: I know. Like, he, it's it wasn't a huge avalanche. It was no. just like, it, just, it looks like a small pile of snow you could put in your backyard.
1: Exactly. So then we have uh, Airborne and Duke parachute to the Cobra base and knock out two other psionic enhanced captives. Uh, Lady J and Snowjob melt a, a metal door with their lasers. Uh, they enter the base and meet Stalker, Flash, Blowtorch, and the two psionics. Uh, suddenly, a tree comes to life and uses its branches to grab everyone but Blowtorch and Carmendy who are caught in a large stone jaw as it emerges from the floor. And this is when I noticed that Tommy is not a telekinetic. He's a reality warper.
0: <laughs> right. I, this makes no sense. Because like, he can... It's one thing to move things around with your mind, but he's like creating bodies for the stone heads. He's animating a tree like it's coming to life, like vines and stuff. Yeah,
1: he's he's not he's not he's more like Proteus than he is like uh,
0: Franklin Richards or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. So um, so Duke and Airborne uh, race to Tommy's chambers as they attempt to free Tommy. The telekinetic creates creates a large metal hand that captures Duke. So that is a capture. Yep. So that's eight for Duke now.
0: Eight for Duke. Check (laughs) it off. Three for Flint. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I think Duke's been captured more than all the other Joes combined. Right. (laughs) Why would you follow this guy into battle? That's all I got to say.
1: And uh, a fourth field drops around Tommy while Airborne pleads to his brother to remember him. Uh, Airborne tries to jog Tommy's memory by explaining that Tommy thought of the codename Airborne when Airborne made uh, made it as an airman. Uh, so Tommy had really was really creative and unique with his names. Oh, you're an airman. I'll call you Airborne. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> that that Tommy uh, and he uh, Tommy had given him a model plane uh, or a model helicopter.
0: It's like a little dragonfly.
1: Yeah. And uh, Airborne's voice becomes more uh, desperate as he tells his brother that he made the model for him and it is one of his favorite things in the world. Uh, Tommy, again, going back to the foreshadowing that happened, Tommy defeats Cobra's control over him mm. and lowers the force field. Airborne scoops his brother up and kicks over the machine, causing the traps that have ensnared okay. Yeah. Boom.
0: That's all it takes. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Kick. It falls over and starts smoking. You're like, this is a crappy machine.
1: <laughs> and this causes all the traps that have ensnared the Joes to disappear. Uh, Destro and Cobra Commander order the troops to abandon the base via Cobra flight pods. Those things are always nearby.
0: Like, oh, hey, oh, no. Cobra Commander has those, like, stocked in every temple, <laughs> in uh, just about every other room, and he knows yep. where the closest one is. Yep. Um, I- I'm going to go direct the battle from a remote location. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: And then, as the Wash uh, at the Washington, Mon- uh, as the Washington Monument is under re- repairs in the background, the Joes and the recently freed psionics uh, enjoy cold drinks and hot dogs in the
0: park. They're like having a picnic. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, sorry about almost killing you the other day. Uh here's a hot dog. Thanks.
1: And I believe they're now finally out of their burlap sacks.
0: <laughs> yes, they, they have uh right real clothes on and I and you notice blowtorch is it wasn't invited to the party. Yes. <laughs> like, like the guy's like, don't invite the guy the dude who almost roasted me alive.
1: That's he'll probably try to cook my hot dog <laughs> exactly. and, yeah. with me holding it. <laughs> yes. And the part, part that cracked me up the most about that too is they had the two psionics along with Tommy, of course. Um but they had the Hawaiian girl and Carmandy. But we're not going to feed the rest of them that we're all captured.
0: <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> we just like these three.
0: <laughs> yeah, these are these are our favorites.
1: Right. So, so that was that episode. All right. All right.
0: Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to MWire only on geekcastradio.com.
3: Welcome to a collaboration between the GeekCast Radio Network and the Pop Culture Network. This is From the Command Center, the podcast. I am your host, Steve and Mike from the GCRN, and joining me is Zordon himself. Uh, uh, wait. I mean, Scotty Cash. That's right. Scotty Cash from the Pop Culture Network. And today we're introducing you to the audio version of From the Command Center, the podcast that will tell our intake on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the episodes, the seasons, and all that other good stuff. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's
0: newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of
3: your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin.
1: Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on
3: Joe Mind? It's Joe news, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. And we hey again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding, kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. And we okay. Seriously, this is just getting ridiculous now.
1: It's what's on Joe' mind every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher, Smart Radio, and iTunes.
3: Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good. Oh, no. What about sports? That uh, sounds yeah, good. Yeah, that's all right. To Cybertron Thank you Soundwave I am TFG1 Mike and you should be listening to my very first podcast The TFG1 Podcast 24 episodes covering the entire US run of the 1984 Transformers cartoon Also a few supplemental episodes in an interview with Stan Bush So check out the TFG1 Podcast You can find it on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com Transforming Rollout. roll out Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at ww.geekcastradio.com. Tune in.
1: Next, uh, we might as well just keep moving along. Yep. Uh, we got Battle for the Train of Gold by David Caron.
3: All right.
1: All right. So now we got Wild Bill informs his teammates, Scarlet, Duke, and Snake Eyes, that this, uh, the skies near the Bureau of Engraving in Washington, D.C. are not occupied by Cobra and asks Duke if, Cobra, if the Cobra communication Duke intercepted was authentic. Because... At this point, I would be doubting anything Duke does, anyways. <laughs> uh, dresses as a security guard, Duke checks up on Scarlet, uh, who looks like a worker in the printing on the printing floor. Duke then checks with uh, Thunder, and this is when we finally get Thunder's name, by the way. Right. Uh, Cover There's girl, this
0: guy that's been following us along. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Cover Girl, Gung Ho, and Mutt. However, no one on the Joe team has seen anything suspicious. And did you notice that who else is disguised? <laughs> very poorly by the way <laughs> snake eyes once again dressed dressed as a factory worker f- guy on the floor still oh, has yeah. his masks on
0: yeah oh yeah i mean he's got his gloves and his mask and goggles on with a baseball yeah. cap on top and just like a factory worker outfit on like he like comes in punches the clock and they're like oh what happened to steve Is is he wearing a mask for a reason
1: um, and I was wondering when this episode started if Duke was bumped down to a rent a cop. So
0: That's really what it looks like. <laughs> he actually looks like the main guy from Cops.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the old cartoon with he's like the blonde hair with the cop. Yep. I'll fit in.
1: So, over the printing mm-hmm. uh, presses, a tour guide informs the tourists that a wide variety of uh, den- denominations are printed every day. Uh, suddenly, a nun rips away her clothes. It's like, whoa, and reveals himself as a Cobra agent.
0: With a uh, helmet on. Yeah. <laughs> like, this man, this nun mask had, like, a face, you know, a mask for a face. and I yep. mean, it had, like, a nun cap on, but he rips it off, and there's a Cobra trooper yep. with, like, a full helmet on underneath. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, do they, um, how do these masks work? I don't get it.
1: And then all of the tourists strip away their disguises and aim their guns at the workers. Uh, right. While outside the building, Major Blood radios Cobra Commander that the building has been secured. However, inside the Bureau's building, Duke quickly stands up and shouts to the other uh, Joes now uh, because that was evidently the clever code word that Duke decided to come up with. I mean, go. Right. (laughs) Um, Major Blood runs across a catwalk and is pursued by Duke uh, beating away four Cobra agents. Duke enters an office and attempts to capture Major Blood. However, a bomb on a safe explodes and slams Duke into a wall.
0: Okay. Now, I got to say, this is not a small bomb. No. Okay. This bomb is, uh, you know, maybe like uh, at least a square foot, you know, size. Right. I
1: actually wrote here, did Duke not see the bomb?
0: (laughs) I wrote the exact same. I said, Duke didn't see the bomb on the safe? Huge question mark. Like, it's counting down. It's beeping. Counting down with giant digital numbers. And he just kind of slowly half-runs across the... I mean, it's like slow motion. He's like kind of half-running across the room. And then right as he's in front of the safe, boom, it explodes. He bounces off a wall. Yeah. Knocked out. Right. He's just lucky they didn't capture him.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. Major Blood removes a tape labeled A4 and flies off to uh, Cobra Temple. Uh, Snake Eyes... Uh, ends the battle with the Cobras by shooting the support cables from the catwalk.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, Snake Eyes can sharpshoot the cables off right. of a catwalk. Multiple. Like There's like half a dozen. Right. But they can't hit the guys no. standing on the catwalk? I mean, no. there's like, I, um, there's at least six, maybe seven troopers on this catwalk. And they're like, oh, we're not, they're going to get away quick. Shoot the cables. <laughs> like Ping, 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 ping. Like nails, every single one of them.
1: And cables aren't exactly big and easy to hit.
0: No, I mean... Oh, it's a mail, whatever. Okay. So
1: then we have the, the Joe's rush to find out what has happened to Duke and find him crawling up to his feet. <laughs> uh, the manager walks past Duke and ignoring him, the manager says, they took the A4 tapes. Duke rubs his head and wonders out loud why the tape is so special. Right. Um... So then we have uh, Cobra Commander insults the Joes because they uh, were not bright enough to realize that he was not after a few million American dollars, but the tape, uh, which contains the plans for Fort Knox, including the route on how to enter the building without being detected.
0: Haven't we had episodes, though, where Cobra was short on cash?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So, I mean, they must have had a windfall come from some other...
1: Well and what I noted here, there's a couple things I noted. Um well one goes back to Duke. Uh, Gung ho made a comment said he figured it would be quiet with Duke around. Why? <laughs> what in Duke's past has ever made you feel that things are gonna be quiet and okay?
0: <laughs> no, he's inevitably gonna be trying to punch out six Cobra Troopers, probably succeed and then get captured or right. blown up.
1: Right. And you're all Those in are danger the two you're, options. and you're all in danger if you're around him.
0: No, nobody wants to be assigned to his patrol. Like right. that's it.
1: So I also wrote down the A4 cassette, uh, knowing what's on it. Wouldn't that tip you off as to where Cobra is going? And isn't there some type of backup cassette or plans?
0: No, there's only one crappy VHS tape <laughs> that has the plans for Fort Knox. That's it. And how
1: to sneak in. Yeah, like, can... No one else knows how to sneak in.
0: Nope, just whoever made the tape and whoever's watch the tape that's it. right
1: <laughs> so as the gi joe convoy rumbles towards fort knox scarlet explains to snake eyes that there's over 60 billion dollars in gold inside the building and with that much capital cobra commander wouldn't have to conquer the world he could buy it
0: which means that technically bill gates could buy the world yes right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> according, yeah.
1: to according to scarlet according to scarlet yes um Inside the uh, inside, General Stack rants on the phone that the Joes can just turn around because he has an entire mechanized division uh, to protect his post from Cobra. And as soon as he hangs up the phone, Duke enters the office, salutes, and apologizes to the general that his orders are from Washington. And I was like, I and one of the things I noticed noted here was why is the general so against having any extra military help?
0: I think it's just kind of like departmental, you know, you know, you get the FBI who's always like doesn't want the help from the CIA or the local police or maybe I mean, that might be part of it. But at the same time, he says, like, we're covered. You know, we have this we have all of these people. Well, everybody's outside and then they walk into the fort and there's, I don't know, maybe 30 guys in there with rifles.
1: Yeah. It's like, but to me, I'm like, check your ego at the door. You have terrorist group coming at you. This guy's an obvious jerk. I'd accept the help. (laughs) Seriously. Um, General Stack leads Scarlet, Duke, and Snake Eyes inside Fort Knox.
0: And and I would say, wouldn't you let the general, somebody must have known what was on the A4 tape for them to know that it was uh, dangerous to be in the hands of Cobra, right? So that means that if they were aware of the tape, they would know what's on it. Right. It would make sense that if you assign a general to the protection of the Fort Knox, that you would just let him know: look, there's a trap door. Right. Or say uh, hey, you might watch, want to cover it.
1: Or say, hey, or say, hey, watch this tape. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. We we made a copy. Turns out we made a copy of this. You <laughs> should watch it you. too.
1: Just for you, so you yeah, can yeah. watch it. So uh, he leads Duke, uh, Scarlet Duke, and Snake Eyes inside Fort Knox in order to show them the gold and the troops. He explains that are. Uh, and, and the troops, as he explains that the walls are made of titanium alloy and are 20 feet thick. Uh, Duke and 20 feet thick, much like Bazooka's head. Uh, <laughs> Duke and the other Joes leave, and Stack con, uh, ten, continues to rant that in his 30 years of service, he has never seen such gross insubordination.
0: And they uh, weren't even, like, talking back to him.
1: No, not at all.
0: So he must have had a pretty good 30 years.
1: Right. Suddenly, a metal door on the floor slides open, and a hand pulls General Stack underground.
0: (laughs) I love it that, like, okay, he's walking by, and just very slyly, this thick metal plate slides back, a hand grabs him, and the next thing you see, like, this big fat guy (laughs) gets pulled through a hole, and nobody knows about it.
1: Nobody notices. Zartan, surrounded by the Dreadnoughts, tells Stack to be quiet, or his next sound will be his last. While Duke uh, wonders why Cobra has not yet attacked, Scarlet catches sight of Stack's troops marching out of the vault. Uh, As Duke, Scarlet, and Snake Eyes run inside in order to confront Stack, Cobra's master of disguise, Sartan, (laughs) rips away his mask. Like, why did he even bother dressing
0: as General Stack? It's not like he uh, delayed them that long or anything like
1: that. He just said, said,
0: I am General Stack, and then pulls his mask off. Yeah.
1: It's like he he dressed as General Stack just long enough to order the troops out, and yeah. then when the Joes came in, instead of still pretending to be General Stack and saying, "Well, I sent them out there because that's where the threat's coming from. You should get out out, out there also." No, he just goes, "Ha ha, I'm Zarkan."
0: They have both the mask off. <laughs> they get surrounded by Cobra soldiers.
1: Right. I uh, don't. I so don't get that. So, um, uh, dozens of Cobra agents appear and begin to shoot at the Joes. Inside the building, cobras rush to the windows and begin to shoot at the Joes outside.
0: Now, see, I got to imagine, if you're Snake Eyes or Scarlet in this situation, Duke is with you and you're surrounded by 30 cobra soldiers. You're like, there is no way out of this. (laughs) It's over. It's like automatic capture. (laughs) We're so screwed. (laughs) And if Duke was in there with anybody else, they would have been. I think the fact that he's got Scarlet, he's like, okay, look. I'll go into this situation. But the only way I'm going in is if I have Snake Eyes and Scarlet with me, because otherwise I am not coming out. <laughs>
1: right. And, and you have to imagine that Snake Eyes turned to Scarlet and just, and and like nodded it over towards Duke and then just gave like a thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> like we're well, screwed. <laughs> so, uh, Ace tries to lead two other pilots uh, to strikers. Unfortunately, Wild Weasel destroys the Joes' planes oh. with his squadron of Rattlers again.
0: Again, an entire fleet of Strikers <laughs> is blown up. And, and their, their only defense is, quick, we've got to scramble the jets. It's because they know what's coming every yep. time. Wild Weasel. I love how Wild Weasel just kind of flies over and it's like a, ha, eh, ha, to like Ace <laughs> as he flies away. You're like, oh, this sucks.
1: Uh, Duke and the other Joes are finally captured and Zartane closes off the only doorway to the outside. So that's capture number nine.
0: you do get captured. I mean, it was inevitable. Like, yeah. even with Snake Eyes and Scarlet's help... I think gonna... they even
1: said that they were captured.
0: Yeah, like, you're captured, and Duke's like, look, I get it, okay? <laughs> so You don't have to come out and tell me. This is the ninth time. I know the drill.
1: <laughs> Where's Cobra Commander? I want to talk to him. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: So, Duke right now is has been captured three times as many times as Flint. <laughs>
0: Yeah, three times as many.
1: <laughs> um so on the lawn of Fort Knox, the Joe's vehicles are quickly destroyed by the cannons on the fort. Uh sick of being on the defensive, Gung ho yells to uh that they have to go uh, get inside. So he and Stalker rush toward uh forward and are joined by their friends Mutt, Junkyard, Cover Girl, Zap, Short Fuse, and Thunder. 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 Uh while standing in a line, Cobra agents hand the gold to one another down an opening in the <laughs> floor and load a forklift.
0: Is which, there not a faster way to do this?
1: <laughs> no. Which carries the gold to the Cobra bullet, a train that can obtain speeds of two hundred miles per hour. This is important to remember for the future.
0: Uh, okay. Well they do uh introduce this train on a track in the middle of a desert. Yeah. Where's Fort Knox located?
1: I don't even know. It's Virginia, right? Yeah, Virginia, yeah.
0: And apparently, it's surrounded by desert, desert and hundreds of miles of track with I, nothing around it.
1: No one noticed a giant train
0: cobra, cobra as painted a cobra. <laughs> cobra train that isn't even in existence in the United States. This is like a Japanese train. Yeah. Anyway, okay. No, no
1: they didn't try to disguise it as the desert. No, they disguised it as a giant cobra.
0: (laughs) Giant cobra train.
1: So, um, yeah. All right. (laughs) So, uh, let's see. Where did we leave off here? Uh, Zartan adds that the train will carry the gold to the coast where the fleet of cobra submarines, probably also painted as cobras.
0: (laughs) Which nobody will know is there.
1: Will load the gold and ferry it away, leaving the United States dead and broke dead broke. Um, As Kung-Ho and the other Joes stand in front of the door, Thunder runs off and returns with his mauler, the one vehicle that wasn't destroyed evidently, (laughs) and blasts the door down. The vault is empty and the Joes are dumbfounded as to how the gold and their teammates were taken away. Junkyard (laughs) (laughs) sniffs the air and begins to bark. Mutt's dog then drags him by the leg.
0: Yeah, he's like, <laughs> and come on, hello.
1: It causes him to fall into the hatch in the floor that Zartan used earlier to capture General Stack. So once again, if it wasn't for the Joe Pets, <laughs> they would all still be standing in that room dumbfounded as to what happened.
0: <laughs> I know, like, here's a huge hole in the floor with a ladder. I wonder how they got out. <laughs> uh, and they're like, we have no idea how what happened here. Now, of course, then Junkar gets, or I mean, Mutt gets tossed down this hole. Yep. and lands right on General Stack. And just yep. the way he's sitting on him, like General Stack's laying there in his underwear, <laughs> and Junkyard's just, like, chilling out. He's, he's like, like hey, guys. That? What's up? Look what I found. <laughs>
1: All he needed was a giant tub of Vaseline, and they'd be good to go. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, Ripper asks Artan why they need to drag the Joes with them, and Torch suggests that they should simply waste them.
0: Like, no, 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 no. We got to capture Duke. So, we uh, pizzas, you know, they have to buy us a round of pizzas when we get Co- back.
1: Cobra Commander would be pissed if we kill Duke.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, no. He hasn't had a chance to escape yet. You guys don't know the drill.
1: Right, exactly. Uh, Zartan, however, explains that his uh, three dreadnought to his three dreadnoughts, that the Joes are their insurance policy. Uh, The Joes back at Fort Knox climb down into the tunnel and begin to race to the end. Wild Bill, who is inside his dragonfly and hovering over the Cobra Bullet, radios gung-ho about uh, the presence of the Cobra train. Because they didn't notice it before. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The Joes sprint, but they arrive too late.
0: Yeah, apparently Uh, there's a giant mountain, too, like, surrounded by desert. And then Fort Knox is sitting on top of this mountain. Exactly. Because they went down a hole. Yep. To get into the mountain. <laughs> right. This makes no sense. <laughs> Don't try to map it all out. It okay, I'm sorry. I, I am thinking <laughs> way too far into this.
1: Uh, Gung-Ho orders Wild Bill to follow the train while he and the other Joes run back to find some vehicles. This um,
0: is Gung-Ho again loses his hat, and he just looks yes. so bizarre without his hat on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, the battle with the cannons at Fort Knox has destroyed the, the faster Joe vehicles, and all that remains is Ugh. the Mauler and an APC. Uh, which I loved seeing the okay. APC again. Yeah, that was cool. Except they were all riding on top of the APC unit.
0: It, isn't the point that they sit in Aren't the APC? are they supposed to be
1: inside the APC?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to ride on the canvas on top.
1: Yeah. Because this is the 80s. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's
0: like, don't you have a pickup truck? We could all just jump in the back.
1: They all wanted to be Teen Wolf and surf yeah. the top.
0: <laughs> handstand. <laughs> Try to drive away, they're all doing handstands.
1: This is the only show where you will get a Teen Wolf reference, by the way.
0: Yes, nowhere else will you get
1: this. (laughs) Nor should you. Um, Thunder suggests that they pay a visit to his friend, Mr. Murphy, who owns several horses. And at this point, I would turn to Thunder and be like, are you out of your goddamn mind? (laughs) (laughs) The train travels 200 miles per hour.
0: (laughs) This makes no sense. Like, they're in an APC, which has got to be able to drive faster than 30 miles an hour. Than a horse, yeah. Any horse can, what, they top around 30 miles an hour? Maybe, like, at yeah. the most? You know, yeah. 20 to 30? Not like,
1: these horses. These horses they go to... are too, thoroughbreds. They go 200 miles per hour.
0: <laughs> they do talk a little bit about how, the, later on, that the train loses speed. But yeah. those horses catch up pretty quick going <laughs> this 20, 30 miles an hour. And mind you, they do
1: try to do, like, a cutoff type thing. Like, cut them off at the uh, pass type uh, of thing. Yeah, but well, even then... Even so, yeah. So, um... So on the train, Zartan orders Cobra agents to eliminate the Joes, and the first one to be tossed off the train is Snake Eyes. As he falls out, Snake Eyes catches a rail on the side of the car with his foot, burns away the rope around his hand with the cart's wheel, and swings back inside. One of the few times awesome. <laughs> one of the few times we've seen Snake Eyes actually be a ninja.
0: <laughs> I know. Like okay. The fact that he doesn't die in this is really amazing. <laughs> he he, his hands are tied behind his back, right? Yeah. So he catches the rail with his foot, and he and
1: which I don't even understand the physics behind that. No,
0: that makes no sense. <laughs> um, because where he fell out and where the wheel is located, it's he's not anywhere close enough to do this. But he uses the friction of the the train wheel riding yeah. along the rails to cut through this rope, yeah. And then, I yeah, just swings himself back up into the car, like, yeah. It's magic.
1: So after knocking out two Cobras, he frees Scarlet and Duke, who defeat the other Cobras.
0: So Duke Uh, is now uncaptured.
1: He's uncaptured. The Joes swing onto the top of the cart and race to the engine. Uh, The Joes beat the train to a point in the track and place three APCs, which I don't know where the three APCs came from. No. They only had one.
0: Yeah, they have a fleet of them that caught up somehow, I don't know. So,
1: they put the APCs in front of the train, which causes Zartan to apply the brakes and slow the train enough for the Joes to ride along the side of the train and board it. Uh, Duke uses a laser gun to cut into a section of the control room uh, in the first section of the train, and Gung-Ho jumps onto the plate sliced by Duke's gun and begins to attack the Dreadnoughts.
0: I love love when they first notice that the APCs are kind of lined up down the the train tracks and and buzzer sticks his head out the window yeah and it's like his ponytail is just like flowing in the wind <laughs> and it just it's just a funny picture of him just like oi look at the look at the <laughs> my face up there and it's just like you're like what it just looks bizarre and then when they get into the fist fight in the room with all the gold i love how stalker's like boxing old british style he's yeah. like he's like straight up straight back you know with his just like fists turned upside he's like tch, tch. Yep. You know, just standing back, just taking him out. Yep.
1: So then uh, Scarlet batters around uh, Ripper while Gung-Ho uh, bops Torch on the head and just knocks him out.
0: <laughs> He's like, one punch. Don't. <laughs> Torch is like, you know, not... He's a uh, lot
1: weaker than I would expect.
0: I him. would have expected him to be this big biker guy, you know. Like him, yeah, Torch versus Gung-Ho. Like, the, like, this man, isn't, that would be a pretty cool fight.
1: Yeah, because this isn't the first time that Torch has been taken out easily.
0: Yeah, no, but he's got a glass jar and he's just Yeah. Ho <laughs> so, just like bops him right on top of the head and he yep. goes straight down.
1: So as Duke confronts Sartan, Scarlet kicks buzzer in the face before he can cut another support beam of uh, shelves holding the gold. Unfortunately, uh Buzzer's chainsaw strikes the pressure regulator and the internal pressure becomes so great that the doors are blown off and the train is thrown off the tracks. Uh, all of the Joes and Cobras... At co-
0: what point you would think they were all dead? Dead,
1: yeah, they're all <laughs> dead. All of the Joes and Cobras climb out of the ruined train. None of them die.
0: No, like, <laughs> ooh, that was
1: close uh, Zartan raises a fist while lying on the ground and threatens in a weak voice, this will not be forgiven, or forgotten or forgiven, G.I. Joe. Um, while Scarlet helps Duke walk away, she asks if he would mind if she changed her hair color. And Duke asks why and is told by Scarlet that the color would match the bruises on her face. She was thinking black and blue, Um, which was just a horrible joke.
0: Yeah, you're like, oh.
1: It's like, oh, okay.
0: Oh, Uh, again, like as as Zartan flies away. Yes. (laughs) I love how the other (laughs) two – see, this is how they solved – in this particular dragonfly, oh, have we gotten here yet? We haven't gotten here no,
1: yet. No, we're get, we're getting there right okay, now. Okay, yeah, you talk so, about it. So Wild Bill rushes to his friends, and as he tells them that he has a medical kit on the dragonfly, the helicopter is stolen by Zartan and the Dreadnoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Wild- why didn't
0: they secure him when Zartan's laying on the ground and be like, you are we, you won't get away with this?
1: <laughs> right. While Bill fires a couple of shots, however, the mercenaries escape. So evidently you can fit Zartan and all of the dreadnoks inside a Dragonfly.
0: No, well, see, this is the thing. In previous episodes, you've had three or four people inside the canopy of the Dragonfly, sitting next to each other or on each other's laps or whatever. Right. Right, In here, it, <laughs> like, I wonder, okay, Zartan's obviously flying it. He's in the front seat. Then you got Buzzer. He must have, like... One, rock, paper, scissors, because he's in the backseat, and then hanging on for oh, dear that's life, right. yeah. <laughs> onto the runners of the Dragonfly, you've got...
1: Ripper and uh, Torch.
0: <laughs> Ripper and Torch, like, ah, you know, as this thing flies away... <laughs>
1: And Buzzer's inside going, really, guys? There's enough room for all of I
0: know. them. <laughs> I was like, man, it's so roomy in here.
1: Have you, have you not seen previous episodes? I know, I know.
0: I just wonder how Buzzer got chosen. Like, he must have called Shotgun or something. Right. Like, and they had to honor it. What, that
1: I would have laughed my ass off if, like, in the actual episode, you saw them running towards the dragonfly and Buzzer was like, Shotgun? I know. That would have been hilarious.
0: <laughs> or they get right to the edge and you see him do it real quick. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. So oh. two <laughs> guys like, crap, and they just kind of climb onto the runner. Right.
1: So back <laughs> at Fort Knox, General Stack offers to write an apology to Sergeant Hauser uh, and also informs Mr. Murphy that the rancher will receive a medal for his help, but Mr. Murphy explains that he would rather just have his horses returned.
0: <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, if I could just get my horses back, that'd be great. Uh,
1: gung-ho riding a horse complains that he was just getting the knack for riding, but then the horse tossed him off. Uh, Duke General Duke General Stack and Mister Murphy laugh at Gung Ho. However, the Joe is determined to ride off into the sunset. Uh, he hops into a vamp and uh, zooms off. And Duke waves and yells, "Happy trails, Gung Ho!" <laughs> so bad.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay. <sighs>
1: and next episode. <laughs> so All now, right. So now, now we got Cobra Sound Waves. Uh, by Ted Peterson. Uh, and this we have three G.I. Joe Sky Strikers fly over a small caravan of camels and men. And this one I really put uh, Rattlers and TIE Fighters must be created by the same factory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exact same sound effects all yeah. throughout.
1: Uh one of the men is Major Blood who radios to tell Cobra commander that the Joes are approaching the desert base. Cobra commander thanks Major Blood and notifies Wild Weasel to start his attack. Uh and this is where four Cobra Rattlers attack and Ace uh attack and Ace even's the odds by shooting one down after Gung-Ho warns him that one of the Cobra planes is on his tail.
0: Right, so I, I immediately lo- like enjoyed this episode, because I, I mean, Sky Striker is my favorite vehicle. I love dogfights yeah. and jets in general, and so I was real excited about this one. But it seems like anytime Ace gets in a stri- Sky Striker, it gets, he gets taken out. Yeah. I mean, he I love the fact that they showed him using like aerial ability, he takes out the Rattlers, this yeah. kind of thing. But he, he cannot come back in a Sky Striker intact. No. It's pretty much impossible.
1: Do not let Ace fly yeah, he's
0: like ever. your best pilot. Like, uh, No, but... he's not. <laughs> well,
1: Shipwreck is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> In Gung-O, apparently. But I think is on par with that.
1: Uh... Junkyard can fly. Yeah,
0: junk, yeah Junkyard can fly.
1: <laughs> so the Rattlers retreat uh, and the Joes uh, pursue. Uh, meanwhile, Cobra Commander opens the door at his mountain base and a machine with a satellite dish on the front of it rolls forward. Now, this one doesn't even have a name.
0: No, it's just a a beam that shoots out of the mouth of a, um, like, conveniently cobra-shaped mountain. Yeah. Did they take the time to sculpt this mountain like a Mount Rushmore so that it looked like a cobra? Or did it already have a cobra-like facade? Anyway, so this machine points out.
1: Yeah, speaking of shapes, though, I did make a note saying, why does every cobra weapon have the same design look?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, they're, they're built by the same guy, and he's like, oh, this has worked before.
1: It's got the dish in the front. All yeah. of them look like the the uh, mass device. That's what they all look like.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's either got a crystal at the end or a, like a satellite looking dish. Yep. yep. Everything. Uh.
1: So <laughs> as soon as the Joes are in range, Cobra Commander shoots the Joes with shockwaves that tear away the wings of the Sky Strikers and forces the Joes to eject. Uh, Cobra claws attack Ace, Roadblock, and Gung Ho, but the Joes are able to beat the Cobra agents, which was actually pretty cool. I thought.
0: Yeah, I did like that. I thought that was neat. Well. So this beam that they shoot out, like, um, it just rattles the mechanics of the of their jets. Now, but I don't think they, it doesn't, it's not like a tractor beam. So I don't understand why they didn't just fly out of it. Like, they, they yeah. hung out in this visible, you know, energy projected beam. And they just hang out until their planes are just disintegrated around them. And then they jump out.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't uh, so I'm like, all right. But then uh, these cobra claws come flying by, and they're yeah. able to take them out. So I was yeah,
1: gonna... uh, more cobra claws appear, and the Joes retreat. A net suddenly appears around the Joes, and they are carried away. And I made a note. I said they must have been trained by Duke.
0: <laughs> well, they get captured because
1: they nets. all get captured.
0: And Roadblock, Roadblock, of course, comes out. Now I know what a tuna feels like <laughs> as it gets caught in this net. I'm like, yeah. what? I didn't understand it at first. I'm like, oh, okay, the net. Like it, yeah. it took me a minute to figure. It. I'm like, what does this have to do? That?
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, Destro tells Cobra Commander that it was uh, too early to roll out the ultrasonic weapon, but Cobra Commander states that the Joes are powerless. Uh, Destro reminds Cobra Commander that he should not underestimate the ingenuity of the Joes, and Cobra Commander explains that when Cobra has destroyed the country's oil uh, production facilities, all nations will fall before the might of Cobra. And Cobra Commander states that Destro has grown too, grown too cautious, and that is why he is not Cobra's leader.
0: Now, at some point around when they captured the Joes, in this conversation with Destro and Cobra, I, I forget. I don't, I don't. All I wrote down was Cobra phone. Like who was oh, talking on the phone?
1: No, we're going to get to that point. That's that's coming up very soon. Uh, oh no!
0: It, okay, never mind. No, that's yeah. right. That's after they're in the arena. Okay, yeah. so let's go yeah.
1: to that. Oh, we're going to get to that too. <laughs> So in a palace in the in the desert, Flint orders Wild Bill to deploy Skystrikers and other Joe equipment around an oil field. Scarlet asks Flint if, they are, uh, if he has heard from roadblock gung-ho or ace, and Flint shakes his head. Airborne enters the room and tells the Joes that uh, they probably won't hear from the others since they just sent a mayday signal. It's and like, hey, guys, heard. just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not going to hear anything because yeah. uh, they're in trouble. Uh inside Cobra's base, the three missing Joes are shoved into an arena. Another Cobra. Okay. You're gonna look in to see how many Cobra bases there were. I'm gonna read for the next time how many Cobra arenas we've had.
0: <laughs> there are quite a few. There's, there was one in each miniseries. There was the one where Snake Eyes and uh and Duke were in the one that looked like Tron snakes.
1: Right. Yeah. Um there's the one where Flint ended up having to go and save in the in that maze uh the one that had the roller oh, coaster ride and everything else. yeah
0: yeah so, so that's at least three this is the fourth one
1: it's yeah and i think there's even more than that there might so, be so Man. i'm gonna i will research that for next time
0: that might just be like you know whether you see it or not there's probably an arena in every single cobra temple right <laughs> so like look duke's i'm sure gonna be here
1: cobra commander insists yeah. on
0: it right <laughs> we're gonna get some joes chances are it's duke yeah ha- i think duke has his own following Yes. Of, like, Cobra Trooper fans, you know, they'll right. bet on Duke when he gets captured.
1: Exactly. He's going to win the in the arena. <laughs> in the arena. <laughs> the uh, Cobra, uh, so this is where we get the Cobra-style telephone, uh, and Cobra Commander's <laughs> chair rings.
0: It rings, he picks it up, and it's like a Cobra-shaped, uh, you, know, hit, you know, old phone or whatever, so he's holding it up to his ear.
1: Like the and, old cordless phones.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this thing's cute. I'm like... Cobra phone. Who makes these things? Yeah, <laughs>
1: like, I need one.
0: <laughs> it's like cobra motifs everywhere. But yep. this particular like his phone, even looks like a cobra head. It's just ridiculous. Yep.
1: And uh, Cobra Commander listens to a me- uh, message before he leaves and tells the Joes that more pressing matters uh, demand his attention. And this just reminded me of like Doctor Evil from Austin Powers, where he's like, "No, I'm just going to assume that they all die."
0: Yeah, uh, just ups and leaves. And-
1: I'm not going to stay here and kill them. I'm just gonna, I, have to, <laughs> I have things to do. Um, a robotic crab emerges emerges from the sand, and it marches towards to attack the Joes. And I noticed, I said, "Why does a robot crab make monster noises?"
0: Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it
1: starts coming towards them, and it's like.
0: It Let's like, just be like a sound card, you know, like it's just <laughs> recordings that make it more menacing, I guess.
1: So we get uh, Scarlet tells Flint that she is worried about her uh, their missing friends. Flint explains that he is worried as well but they can't leave because they need to protect the oil field. Uh, Prince Ali asks what uh, ails Scarlet uh, out in the garden area, and she tells him that she can't leave her friends to the mercy of Cobra. Uh, she has to help them. Uh, so then we go back to the robot crab, which continues to attack the Joes in the arena, and Gung-Ho wonders how the creature could see, uh, see them since it does not have any eyes. Uh, Ace realizes that the robot has infrared sensors and asks Gung Ho to bring him a chunk of wood, which just happens to be right there.
0: There's nothing in this arena. It's like stone walls, circular right. stone walls, sand or dirt for a floor.
1: And then He's he like, grabs two stones and a piece of wood. Yeah. And as like he he creates the fastest fire ever made by someone with just rocks and sticks. He's all, Ting, tink tink. <laughs> <You're>
0: like dang. <laughs>
1: If I ever get stranded on, a, on an island, I want him with me because he's gonna be able to think, make fire right, no look, problem.
0: What Joes? If, if if you could think, okay, yeah, you're stranded on an island. What Joes? You can pick two Joes to be with you. I would never have picked Ace. No. But apparently, he's one of the most resourceful Joes you could possibly <laughs> have on your team. Like well, he just, almost single-handedly takes out this whole uh, this whole base. Really.
1: I think it's because he's used to crash landing on islands.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Yes, that's exactly it. He had to, he's he's built up his wilderness survival skills right. from the amount of times he gets stranded. <laughs> so uh, he
1: sets <laughs> uh, he sets a branch on fire and hands it to Gung Ho. Roadblock boosts Ace over the wall, uh, which at that point when he does that, I'm like, why did we even bother with the fire and everything else? No, just, just
0: throw him over the wall and get away from the crabs. <laughs> he, he's like just Roadblock handily chucks him up off the wall. He like drop kicks two Crimson Guards like. Bang! I mean, takes him out. Like, I'm gaining so much respect for Ace as a soldier. Yeah. And almost no respect for him as a pilot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think he picked the wrong profession.
0: I guess. I don't know.
1: Uh, Tossing one gun to roadblock, the Joes try to destroy the crab. Uh, However, the robot is not damaged by lasers. Ace tells the Joes to run to the arena's doors. Uh, He blasts a hole in the door and shoots at the stone roof above the arena rocks from the ceiling fall and crash upon the robot crab and the joes escape the arena
0: it sounds like this laser gun can blast holes in doors it's powerful can can take out like huge chunks of rocks from the ceiling but that must have been a really tough crab yeah because like the laser just bounce off of it. <laughs> yeah
1: scarlet and wild bill uh leave the palace as they fly away prince ali wishes them luck in rescuing their friends uh destro tells cobra commander uh Underestimated uh, the re- that tells uh, Cobra Commander the under- underestimated the resourcefulness <laughs> of the Joes as they both watch the Joes escape.
0: He's like, crap, we should have stayed there.
1: <laughs> and of course, it's not Cobra Commander's fault. He points to the Crimson Guard.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, uh, I mean, they did get taken out by Ace pretty handily.
1: Right. Um, Ace fa- uh, falls, and the Cobra Guards capture him. Then Gung Ho drops down from from a boulder and attacks the two cobras.
0: Okay, so, well I gotta say that's twice for Ace.
1: Well, true, but this was an intentional one. So right, okay. So he, it was all just a setup. So
2: that's
1: true. Uh, Ace smashes the heads of his uh, two guards, and Roblox knocks away the remaining Cobra weapons. You have to remember too, Ace was captured with Duke a while back.
0: I know. I'm kind of wondering if we should start a, a tally for Ace because he's more than Flynn at this point.
1: Yeah, but, but I think it's be Duke, still Duke's fault. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously Aces follow Duke's lead.
0: <laughs> I, I love at this point, too, where. Who is it that growls? Was it Roadblock that growls at the Cobras? Yes. And then they just run away. <laughs> yeah. They just leave.
1: So shooting at the ceiling in the cave, Ace and the other Joes bring down enough rubble to prevent Cobra from chasing them for a few hours. Uh, the Joes turn and begin to walk through the cavern, but they reach a fork in the cavern. Not knowing which of the route two routes to take, Ace pulls out a coin and states that the lucky lady will decide. The coin lands on heads. And before Ace decides to go right, Gung-Ho grabs Ace's coin and tells them that he's not about to let, uh, to trust luck and that the Joes are going to go right. So either way, they're going right. I don't know what the hell it matters.
0: Yeah, no, it seemed kind of like a waste. I was like, I don't know what this is all about.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cobra commences their attack on the oil field. And no, they... but then
0: Ace asks Gung-Ho. He's like, hey, can I have my coin back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ace is cheap. That's the other thing we learn about it. That's, I guess what we learn, this is, you learn a lot about Ace, I guess, in this episode. Yeah, but we definitely learn he's cheap. Like he wants his quarterback.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, like say Cobra Commander uh, or Cobra commences uh, their attack on the oil fields, and the Joes try to repel the attack. Ace, Roadblock, and Gung Ho reach a dead end, but Ace notes that the ground is wet, and that means there must be a river underneath. Which I never knew that.
0: Yeah. So once again, Ace is like on the ball, like finding right. out how to get these guys out of here. And I think. I really thought it was cool that when a Cobra with the Rattlers and they're attacking this oil field, Flint is like, uh, is at this point where he was like, you know, I don't have my, like, my best pilots gone. I'm missing three of my heavy machine gunner. Yeah. You know, I mean, he kind of lists, like, th- you know, this isn't going to plan. Like, we can't defend this place because I don't have this, th- uh, you know, this character, this person, this person. But he's listing off, like, their, uh, their abilities, their skills, right? Yeah. So it's yep. like. I really like that. I mean, I just I like the idea that he's um, that he has a battle plan. That Flint has a battle plan, and, yeah. and it depends on the Joes and their skill sets to be where they're at at a particular time. And because you know Ace went down on this uh, earlier reconnaissance mission, and, you, and he's got Roadblock and uh, and Gung Ho with him, that that leaves a hole in his plan. But then on yeah. top of that, he told Scarlet not to leave, but Scarlet leaves with Wild Bill anyway, and then that screws Flint over even more. Yeah. That his a helicopter pilot's gone, that scarlet has gone, who's like, a, you know, his trusted, uh, you know, a soldier they can depend on, that kind of stuff.
1: But and I'm will, like,
0: they all just leave Flint high and dry. It's crazy.
1: But I will say the one thing that Flint has going for him in this episode is that there's a moment where Flint is able to talk without moving his mouth. <laughs>
0: Perchloroism <laughs> <laughs> is not on his file card. I didn't realize this was one of his abilities.
1: <laughs> there is a scene where he's talking and his mouth is not moving.
0: <laughs> he's like drinking a glass of water, like singing the national anthem. You're like, "This is amazing."
1: <laughs> like he's in the middle of battle. There's shots being fired all around him. <laughs> And he's saying something, and his mouth is not moving.
0: It was, in fact, telepathic. He's also a psi-powered <laughs> uh, character. Him, him and Air—he was talking to Airborne, actually. He was talking to Airborne. Yeah. That. They're yeah. just speaking with their minds.
1: <laughs> so uh, Ace, Ace plants. Uh, getting back to Ace and the water and the ground, uh, he plants oh, yeah. his gun barrels into the ground as well as the other Joe's guns, and tells them to overload that the overload will create a hole that they can use to escape and hopefully the roof won't fall in on them yeah uh the guns mm-hmm. explode and the ceiling begins to collapse so the joes jump into the hole and land in a river
0: it's a gigantic hole oh yeah, it's huge. yeah i mean <laughs> it's this huge crater they jump down land in the river yep. but i mean again it was ace's idea like he gets yep. them
1: out of this situation yep. uh after flint nails a claw he wonders where everybody is while well, the oil th- yeah, field this is, is under attack I think, yep.
0: yeah this is what i was talking about earlier
1: yep and uh, Scarlet finds Ace, Roadblock, and Gung-Ho, and the Joes return to the palace oil fields where Prince Ali is kidnapped by Major Blood. And this is where I made a note that of a Wild Billism, ism uh, which is a horse feather in a haystack, <laughs> which is an expression I have never heard before in my life.
0: Uh, a horse feather? That makes no sense. No. <laughs> um, but then, of course, <laughs> Scarlet and Wild Bill find these three guys in a dragonfly.
1: Yeah, and she's like, what about three horse feathers?
0: Right, well, so, so they find it, but how do they get them back?
1: Uh, they, they must
0: be hanging on to the runners like the dreadnoughts are. No,
1: they knew, <laughs> see, the Joes know there's enough room inside.
0: <laughs> but they show a, a shot of the canop you know, inside the canopy of the cockpit of the, of the dragonfly. Yeah. They must have all just piled up on Wild Bill's lap or whatever.
1: Right. I'd pile up on Scarlet's lap, but it's okay. <laughs> um,.
0: I'll be a mongoose.
1: <laughs> well, we've already established why you would probably pile up oh, on Wild no, Bill's lap. Laugh.
0: <laughs> no, I would have ran. I would have ran back. I would have just taken off and sprinted. Wow, 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 you, wow, you're like, Wild wow. hey, wow. wow, Bill, hop in. And he's like breaking open the, the of Vaseline. No, I, was I,
1: was gonna I, say, I was just going to say, Wild wow, Bill's opening up the Vaseline.
0: And uh, Gung Ho is like, look at these guys with all your pretty little hats. <laughs>
1: While well, Bill like you got a pretty mouth.
0: <laughs> Roblox is like I'm out of here.
1: <laughs> All right, so, so we have Ace and the other Joes arrive back at the palace. They climb into Sky Strikers and fly to the uh, into the air to fight Cobra's forces. Uh, they destroy a few of the Rattlers and claws. As soon uh, and soon their enemies are retreating. Airborne grabs his head in pain, and Flint tells Breaker that Airborne has some sort of ESP.
0: Which is communicating didn't. telepathically right before this. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, look, I just found out. I could talk to Airborne without moving my mouth.
1: <laughs> so, in case you didn't see the episode before, this right. lets you know that Airborne has ESP. Uh, when the pain has ended, Airborne explains that the prince has been kidnapped uh, by Cobra, and Flint orders the Sky Strikers into the desert to find the prince, which I don't understand why Airborne has some special ESP connection to Prince Ali.
0: No, they've clearly established it's just with his brother, but I think this is going to be a crutch from now on, just that he yeah. uses
1: powers. Um, as the Joes fly toward Cobra's base, Wild Bill wonders how they were supposed to attack when Cobra could shake them to pieces. Uh, landing near the same hole in the ground that, that Gung-Ho and the other Joes were found near earlier, Wild Bill, Gung-Ho, and Scarlet lower a raft and, uh, and themselves into the river and drive the Cobra base.
0: I did think this was really cool, that they that yeah. the whole point of them being able to escape and the way that they did it set it up for them to infiltrate it later, I thought that was really neat. Yeah. In the writing, I thought it was really well done.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the other Joes continue their approach in the air, and Destro notes that the Joes are fools to try and attack again. Cobra Commander turns to Destro and asks if this is the same Destro who told him earlier that he should not underestimate G.I. Joe. <laughs> Uh Ace and the other Joes approach the base and then turn back once they are under attack by Cobra's soundwave machine. Cobra Commander moves Destro out of the way and drives the ultrasonic device to the edge of the ledge and turns the machine on at full blast.
0: Okay, just, Well, I thought this was cool, too, because he grabs his battle helmet. Yep. And I don't know if we've seen that in an episode before where he starts out the episode with a hood and they purposefully show him I don't switching so. those out. Like, I don't think so. I don't know. I can't say definitively if there's an episode where he hasn't switched from one to the next. Yeah. But this is where they made a specific point to show him, like, grab the helmet off the shelf, and then he puts it on as they're about to enter battle. I thought that was kind of a cool moment. Yeah. Um, but, but I, of course, then he just makes a full move. and Yeah, I did make goes. a
1: note. Why would you let Cobra Commander touch anything?
0: No, exactly. He's not <laughs> trained in this machinery. Like, we've obviously show, shown with the Synthoids, you give him a remote control, he's going to ruin it. Right. Right, he's going to just blast it to full blast. He cannot help but put it on full power and then ruin your stuff.
1: He, he, it, it goes to 11. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this, this one goes to 11.
0: Why would you even let him in the seat? Like, if, if he starts shoving Destro, like, hey, let me do it. And Destro should just punch him out. You know what I mean? Just...
1: They need to make, like, a dummy control for him where it only really goes <laughs> up. It makes him up. think
0: he's doing something? Yeah,
1: it, it really only goes up. No, like, where it only goes up to five, but it says <laughs> ten. He
0: thinks it's full power, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's like, why isn't this more powerful? Oh, well, that's full blast. That's full no, blast. No, that's
0: as far as it goes, man. <laughs> I haven't destroyed it yet. Exactly.
1: Right. Uh, so uh, Grunt and Airborne f- uh, fly gliders up to the ledge uh, that the wave machine is resting upon and shoot away at the structure. Uh, Cobra Commander and the weapon fall into the canyon below, but Cobra Commander was able to grab uh, a cable and orders his soldiers to pull him up. Cobra Commander tells the Sheik that it is time for his execution, which, if I was Destro, why would you even bring Cobra Commander back up? I don't I don't know. This is a good time to get rid of them.
0: <laughs> like, how about you direct the battle from that remote location and just yeah. leave them at the bottom of the rope? <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, Scarlet, Gung-Ho, and Wild Bill exit a cavern under the base. Uh, they scale a rock wall and spot Destro and Cobra Commander leading Prince Ali towards a helicopter. Uh, Destro tells Cobra Commander to keep moving towards the helicopter since they won't risk hitting the Sheik. As soon as the Cobras reach the helicopter, Destro shoves the Sheik to the ground. Uh, Prince Ali wants justice for their attempt to destroy his country and grabs onto the helicopter, which was the dumbest move in the world.
0: What was he thinking?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Stupid. Destro smashes Prince Ali's fingers and the prince falls. Uh, Aiming her crossbow at the falling Ali, Scarlet shoots an arrow, dragging a rope behind it. The arrow head expands and reveals itself to be a boomerang, Boomerang. which I made a note saying, did she get this from Green Arrow?
0: I know. Ah, physics.
1: (laughs) Uh, That causes (laughs) the arrow to return back towards the Joes and the rope loops around the prince and saves him.
0: Like this is just perfect timing. It's
1: ridiculous. Uh, later that night, Scarlet and the other Joes join Prince Ali for dinner, and Scarlet tells the Prince that she didn't have trouble uh she, he didn't have to trouble himself with preparing a dinner for the Joes. The Sheikh then informs her that he didn't prepare dinner then while Bill and Roblock enter the room, and the two announce that dinner is ready
0: so they cook yeah so uh, they cook barbecue and gumbo or whatever yeah so um, just from a moment before again, talking about the timing of Scarlet's boomerang arrow. If she you know, what if what if the mechanism didn't open? What right. if she was a second, you know, too late too in shooting late. it? What if she shot just to the left or just to the right? She would have impaled the sheik, like <laughs> then you would have a sheik on a chic on a rope, you know what I mean? Like it would have just been impaled.
1: She <laughs> a Sheikabob. <laughs> Sheik-a-bob.
0: <laughs> so I'm just like you know, obviously it shows how amazing Scarlet is with her crossbow. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh. So Instead of the Sheik jumping onto the helicopter, why didn't he just yell over to Scarlet, shoot Destro? (laughs) Shoot the helicopter. What? Like, they didn't even try to shoot at it. Like, so Destro shoves him off, and the helicopter has time to take off long enough for the Sheik to jump up and grab it again. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So then we get to... This is the last one, right? Yeah, this is the best episode of them all.
0: Yeah, we're reptiles realm. This one is good.
1: Because we have bazooka in this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so this one is written by Jerry and Carla Conway. And Jerry Conway is actually a very well-known comic book writer. Yeah. Um, and Carla was actually his first wife. Uh, so uh, I did a little bit of looking that up to find out who she was. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So we have a, a legitimate comic book writer writing this episode. So, Um, so yeah, now, now we get into the silliness of maybe why it's not good to have a comic book writer writing it. (laughs) So crawling across a cornfield and cutting through a fence and climbing through a window.
0: Okay. Obviously stealth mission. Right. Okay. This is, this is very important to point out.
1: So we send Alpine, Snake Eyes, Breaker, and Bazooka.
0: (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. What? Like, I... I get bringing Snake Eyes along. In fact, this should have just been Snake Eyes. Right. Okay. Uh, Alpine, maybe I, he seems a competent fellow. Yeah. Breaker, I think because of his uh, technological know-how. Like, right. I, I understand why he's Because the they,
1: they have to crack into a computer and stuff.
0: Exactly. Like that. I mean, there's there's stuff. You know, so I understand all this. But in Alpine, you know, they use ropes and all this stuff to get right. up to where they're going. Like, all right, this is all making sense. But okay, so keep going. We'll we'll keep talking.
1: So we have Snake Eyes stays on the ground with Timber.
0: What? (laughs) Like Snake Eyes is just playing watchdog outside, make sure nobody comes. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah, and (laughs) and they infiltrate a Cobra communication center and steal the latest transactions made by Cobra's dummy corporations. Bazooka gets his feet tangled in the rope (laughs) that's used to scale the buildings.
0: Oh my gosh! Like he's making so much noise. Like he, he's like whoop, oh, 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 and I I'm think like, I oh, even
1: man. I think I made a note too beforehand when we were talking about it. My note actually said, "Oh no, Bazooka is on this mission."
0: I know. Like,
1: <laughs> and I put also a note that said he's a man of few words because when he fell, he goes feet dangled.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: Oh, <laughs> like he's literally full of just one or two words. That's it.
0: I know. Uh, yeah, we in this he, this goes on cuz I make a note of it later on too, yeah. but I forget at one so, point
1: just as Breaker and the others try to leave the room, uh three Cobra agents appear and the uh, at the room's only exit. <laughs> so what does Bazooka do? Bazooka <laughs> fires a shot that strikes the ceiling above the Cobra agents and cuts off their entry into the room. However, this also blocks the only exit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and alerts the entire yes. base that they're there.
1: Alarms Blair, and the Joes follow Bazooka, who makes another door, because he's like, door. <laughs> <laughs> boom. Door,
0: boom. <laughs> oh my gosh, okay. Uh, immediately, just think if uh, Snake Eyes was in, inside, as opposed to standing outside doing nothing. Right. And you let, even, like one, why would you even bring Bazooka? Okay, he's there. Let's leave him outside, right? Right. Snake Eyes would have taken out the guys with a sword. Right, which makes zero sound. Right, and they would have been able to get through the door. Instead, they bring Bazooka, who blows a hole in the wall. Uh, he,
1: he makes another door. Yeah, door. <laughs> bazooka blows away a section in the fence. <laughs> so, so he's, he's just,
0: just Bazooka happy. I mean, he's just like, woohoo!
1: Which also made me wonder how many shots does his bazooka have?
0: <laughs> oh, I guess that's what's in his backpack. He's just loading them up.
1: Um. And as the Joes continue to retreat, Breaker Breaker radios Flint for backup, which they wouldn't have had to do if Bazooka wasn't on this mission.
0: Yeah, so apparently there's a whole troop of Joes sitting at the back of the cornfield. Again, whose idea was it? It, See, this is one thing. Flint was the commanding officer for this mission. Right. It had to have been Flint's call to send Bazooka.
1: Well, I think what happens is they're like, we really need Alpine for this mission. But you know what happens if we send Alpine? Bazooka's gonna follow him.
0: <laughs> Bazooka's like friend, and he just like follows him wherever he goes. And Alpine's like, I'm sorry, I can't get rid of this guy.
1: <laughs> I think I think the Joes just need to let Alpine go.
0: <laughs> Maybe just because of the the collateral damage that Bazooka brings along. Right. Exactly. I don't know. I think um I think they just feel bad for his mental incapacity and yeah. And they're just like, all right, we'll put up with Bazooka. So,
1: flying a dragonfly helicopter, Wild Bill fires at the cobras in the in the cornfield. Airborne and bazooka pick up Alpine uh, because fire is going on and uh, he's he's getting swallowed up by popcorn.
0: Because uh, <laughs> burning corn automatically yes. makes popcorn.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, slipping the disc into a drive, uh, back at the base, a woman tells Breaker, like, she doesn't even get a name.
0: This is a great, one of those six-inch floppy discs from the yes. 80s, you know, those oh, black yeah. floppy discs.
1: Yep. And, uh, she tells Breaker that Cobra has, prote- which, again, why did a woman have to tell Breaker what's on the disc? Why uh,
0: didn't... Why didn't Breaker just do it? That, yeah. This that, that makes no sense at all.
1: Or at least give the woman a name. I mean, at least give her that dignity. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, it, it just makes no sense that she's even there. She's right. just the secretary, like, right. put this disc in. Read read what the screen says.
1: Punch these codes in.
0: <laughs> then uh, get me a coffee.
1: <laughs> Cobra has protected their info uh, with the standard Cobra encryption, and it shouldn't be too tough to crack, is what the, the lady tells them. Oh. Uh, Flint notices that the latest transaction includes the purchase of a dude ranch in West Texas. So he tells Lady J to investigate the ranch by going undercover with Alpine, Bazooka, and Wild Bill.
0: <laughs> like, hey, you guys are standing here. Why don't you go on this mission? You you might be appropriate for it. We don't know.
1: <laughs> hey, Wild Bill, why you to milk us a pony and bring us a glass?
0: <laughs> <laughs> they are like, hey, you guys all have mustaches. Why don't you go to the dude ranch? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> And again, like everyone, I could just picture being behind, standing behind Bazooka, just like giving the the cutoff sign, like no, don't no, send no,
3: it, no, don't say it, don't say it, <laughs> don't send him with us.
1: <laughs> uh, so Wild Bill drives fast down a road, and Bazooka begins to point out the sights, like cows and oil wells.
0: I'm like, is this Wild Bill's car? It has to be. Wild It has Bill's to car. be. I mean, it's like a, a yellowish, white, white, yellowish, cream colored like limo like one of those yeah. long lincoln uh convertibles with the huge the huge yeah. horns like plastered or you know attached to the front end of the car I'm like this is completely wild bill's car absolutely it's like gold plated i think so then we so then we have, so then we have uh,
1: lady j corrects what bazooka believes to be oil wells by explaining they are microwave antennas against for <laughs> oil oil <laughs> <laughs> so and again this is foreshadowing
0: oh i love this okay wait they're driving in this car okay did you see how they were sitting in the car oh yeah okay so in the front seat you've got alpine uh, uh wild bill and lady j yeah. and they're all sitting there squished in the front seat and bazooka's in the back seat <laughs> by himself would you want to sit in the back with bazooka <laughs> i think he's, he's i think he's sitting on a booster seat in fact I, I, <laughs> like this pork they just
1: <laughs> i think i think maybe bazooka has a gas problem or something
0: that's why the top's down,
1: right, so the microwave antennas are part of a solar farm uh she explains that the antennas receive microwaves from space from a space station.
0: Why is she even explaining this? Bazooka? He doesn't understand a word of it
1: he's He's just looking and going
0: air air, and <laughs> she <Space." laughs> They They have no idea what what even registers in his brain anymore.
1: In the, mean, in the meantime, torches on the side of the, the of the car riding along, hanging on, going,
0: "Hey, hey guys, you guys, there's a over there." Music <laughs> <Basica's> like creepy.
1: <laughs> so, um, she says that the uh, space station in space uh, transmits energy to power plants in the city. And uh, Lady J explains that as long as the satellite in space is controlled, there is no harm, otherwise the beam could fry a city. Again, foreshadowing.
2: <laughs> oh, yes.
1: So, arriving at the El Loco Toro Dude Ranch, which I thought it would have been better if it was called, like, El uh, Barco or Bar- Borka or something like that, something with cobra, some mm. type of anagram of cobra.
0: Yeah, this is just a Crazy Bowl, right? Yeah. yeah. Crazy Bowl Ranch.
1: Crazy Bull Ranch, yep. Uh, Ma and Pa Jode introduce themselves and their daughter Mary Bell. Uh, Wild Bill introduces himself as Bill Austin. <laughs> Lady J as Jane Austin. <laughs> Alpine as Big Bob and Bazooka as Little Bob.
0: <laughs> so you got Bill, Big Bob, and Little Bob, the mustache brigade. Right. <laughs> Show up there at the dude ranch. <laughs>
1: yep as Mary Bell offers in a teasing voice to give Wild Bill a private tour of the
0: ranch. Dang, Bill. So, and then, is this the point where, I think Lady J says in her dialogue, more than meets the eye. Yes. Like, did you pick up on that? I thought that yeah. was pretty cool too. Or they are like, hey, let's check out this uh, dude ranch, because I think there's more than meets the eye. And I was yep. like, yeah! <laughs>
1: uh, Lady J orders Alpine and Bazooka to look around, uh, and that's, I believe, when she, she says Yeah, that's when she says it. So she radios Flint with a microphone built into her belt buckle.
0: <laughs> she uh, like, And she pulls off a little thing, and it's like a little zip line that she's like, yeah. and she all talks into it.
1: A <laughs> um, uh, co- uh, camera captures Lady J's Jay, report, in which she explains that the ranch looks like a, a recreation base for Cobra. Uh, Cobra Commander, who is watching the scene, orders Zartan and the dreadnoks to keep Lady J and her friends under constant surveillance and also tells him him not to kill the Joes since he doesn't want to raise suspicion for 18 hours. Then after he has uh, control of the solar satellite, the Dreadnoughts can do what they want with the Joes. So then we get uh, Alpine Bazooka and Lady J meet on the front porch of the main house and are told by Zartan and the Dreadnoughts who are dressed as ranch hands that they... Uh, were to make sure that the Joes have a, f- a real full day, and I noticed I made a note here. I said those cowboys have some strong Australian accents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know it's like, I mean they're disguised, okay, I get it, but just like they have some of the most recognizable voices in all of Cobra. Uh,
1: Alpine and Bazooka are led to a corral uh, by the Dreadnoks, who leave the pro- uh, who leave and promise to saddle some horses. Climbing onto the top beam of a fence, Alpine and Bazooka are knocked off by a bull, and which Bazooka refers to as mean meat. Mean meat. <laughs> um, the bull crashes through the beams and the Joes retreat. However, Alpine falls and cries out for help. Bazooka leaps onto the bull, grabs it by the horns, <laughs> and brings the bull to a halt.
0: So Bazooka has... Um...
1: <laughs> Retard strength.
0: Uh, I didn't want to say it! <laughs>
2: I'll
1: say it. I don't care.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Send your
1: hate mail to Robert
0: Atkins. <laughs> what? <laughs> I almost said it. I was like, no, I probably shouldn't say no, it.
1: He, no, he has retard strength. That's what oh, he man.
0: Does. He takes that bull down. I oh, mean, it's, yes. it's brilliant.
1: Yeah. Bull. Bull. Uh, Alpine pulls his friend up from the ground, and the two jump over a fence, and Alpine watches the three ranch hands laughing and driving away on blue three wheelers.
0: Um, yeah, which are basically dreadnought, like, <laughs> <laughs> look exactly like the dreadnought four wheelers.
1: Right, which are the dreadnought special fancy, like, uh, magic machines. <laughs>
0: <So> they, <laughs> they can, can fly do, in space they and can do dolphins. anything. <laughs> they can drive around in zero gravity.
1: Yeah. So, Zartan introduces Lady J to Mudpatch. Uh, Lady J uh, climbs onto the horse, and Zartan slips a burr under the saddle before slapping the burr into the horse's skin. Suddenly, the horse begins to buck and knocks Lee Jay into a trough filled with water. Uh, And let's see. Then we have, while riding with Mary Bell, Wild Bill tells her that the clouds of of dust on the horizon is not from a dust storm, but from a cattle stampede. Uh, Realizing that the stampede is headed directly for the solar power control room, he rides to the front of the stampede, uh, he is able to redirect the cattle away from the energy uh, farm's antennas and back towards the desert. Uh, as the clouds of dust float towards the station, Zartan sneaks into the control room, burns a hole into the console uh, with a laser, and steals a computer chip. And that is the thing, too. Like, they were counting on Wild Bill being able to redirect those the cattle. Because yeah. if, cause if he didn't do that, that stampede was just going to run over everything that they were wanting to use later.
0: Wouldn't it have destroyed all of like the solar satellites yeah. and all that kind of
1: stuff? Exactly. I
0: have a lot of faith in Wild Bill.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Dreadnoughts sit on their three wheelers or four wheelers and uh, agree that Zartan has stolen the chip by now, but as soon as they turn around, they see the cattle running towards them and they drive away from the scene. <laughs> uh, back at the ranch, Wild Bill sings a square dance song, which was horrible.
0: Oh, it's terrible. And then weren't the three It doesn't like, even uh, rhyme. No, it's it's stupid. And then, like, uh, Bazooka, Alpine, and Lager, like, we should get out of here. Like, yeah. this is so bad. <laughs> They're yeah. not even there to support their friend. They're like, let's go do something else. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and Bazooka and Alpine, uh, well, uh, the Joes uh, follow Ma and Pa Joad out of the barn. Bazooka and Alpine are captured by the Dreadnoughts and Zartan.
0: Well, it's uh, like, this is another great example of, alpine's eloquence versus bazooka's uh complete lack of vocabulary because yeah. alpine's like man i don't like it out here and bazooka's like dark <laughs> and then alpine goes sartan and the dreadnoughts and bazooka's like
3: trouble yeah <laughs> like
0: one word senses that's the only thing that that bazooka can get out it's ridiculous exactly
1: uh, walking into a barn, Lady J discovers a trap door and climbs down a ladder that leads to a Cobra computer room. Like she doesn't even look down in it to make sure it's safe. She just nope, just hops in. Right. Lady J knocks out a female Cobra technician and dons her costume, which was really fast.
0: Yeah. Um, and she, <laughs> she looks pretty hot in. Oh, I yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, she walks towards Cobra Commander and Destro, uh, and their, uh, Cobra Commander's holding the microchip stolen by Zartan. Mm. Cobra Commander takes the chip and places it on a console, raise, uh, raises a radar screen into the ceiling, and Cobra Commander shows Destro the destructive power of the space station using a model.
0: <laughs> He's like, I've been spending the last two weeks building this model. Watch what I can do.
1: <laughs> Duke helped me.
0: <laughs> I know. Last time I captured him, we spent all night putting this thing together. Like I decoupaged a of the building to look exactly like this city.
3: Um,
1: <laughs> as the solar power beams strike the city, uh, fires begin to rage across the model city. <laughs> uh, Cobra Commander uses a uh, uh, fire extinguisher to, to put it out. And then this is when Cobra Commander realizes that Lady J is not one of his techs and sprays her with foam from the fire extinguisher. Which, I need to note, I said, why would Lady J get so close to Cobra Commander? And
0: That's so? like Right next to him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only disguise is like she has green glasses on, but yeah. it's basically her. I mean, exactly. I've seen her plenty of times and know who, who Lady J is. Uh, Destro catches her and
1: announces that there is only one Joe left. Uh, with his arm around Mary Bell's uh, waist, Wild Bill tells her that he can't remember when he's lived a better day. Uh, he walks out under the stars and tells her that he has never been with one as beautiful as she while, uh, while he was home. Uh, Mary Bell says nothing, rips her mask off her face and reveals she is the Baroness and aims a gun at Wild Bill.
0: Oh, poor Wild Bill.
1: Yeah. Uh, Which I gotta Zart-
0: say, this, or, uh, I think Baroness, I mean, hands down, is the better master of disguise oh, yeah. compared to Zartan.
1: Well, I, I certainly like her disguises better because <laughs> they show a lot
0: of midriff. As opposed I, to putting on a fat man in a fat suit or something. Right now i this was one of the times where i was genuinely surprised that this was baroness like oh yeah i I couldn't tell in her voice when she was uh mary bell and typically you kind of can and then also for i mean this was one of the few typically you see it right away either they're acting suspicious or whatever like this girl seemed like a you know, she might be in on the Cobra plan, but I never right. thought it was Baroness. I was actually really surprised at this one.
1: Well, and that's what I thought, too. I thought I because it was Ma and Pa, Jode, they were in on it. I just thought that she was in on it also. Yeah. But I never thought that it was actually the Baroness. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that it was their daughter or granddaughter or whatever, and she was just part of Cobra. Yeah. Um. So, Zartan comes out to help the Baroness and is surprised by Wild Bill, who knocks out Zartan after having tied up the Baroness, uh, which I made a note that Wild Bill kicks ass in Texas.
0: Okay, now I will say, okay, so Baroness has a gun point blank on uh Wild Bill, right? Yeah. The next thing we see is Zartan come up, and Baroness is knocked out.
1: I think what happened is Wild Bill tied the Baroness's shoelaces together. <laughs> And she fell flat on her face.
0: I'm like, two one of two things had to have happened. Okay, one, Wild Bill punched Baroness in the face, right? right. Or he choked her out. Either way, Wild Bill is a serious dude. <laughs> <laughs> Do not and he mess. does not care that she's a woman wearing glasses. It doesn't None. matter. She will he will punch a woman in the face in a heartbeat. I was exactly. like, dang. <laughs> No wonder that was off camera, because there's no way you're going to watch.
1: You can't show that. Yeah. You
0: can't show that in the 80s. Well, so, man.
1: so, Breaker tells Flint, Scarlet, Snake Eyes, and Shipwreck that he has been receiving some bizarre telemetry readings from the satel- satellite, and NASA believes that the dude ranch is in West Texas is somehow involved. Breaker has tried to contact Lady J, but the transmissions are being jammed. Uh, Cobra Commander then appears on the Joe's screen, uh, cause he can do that all the time. And, <laughs> and he's like, Is Duke there? I wanna talk to Duke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, point will do. He said
1: he demands to be paid $1 billion in gold bullion, uh, within 12 hours or he will burn a city to the ground. And for every hour that payment is delayed, an additional city will be incinerated. To emphasize to the world that he is not bluffing, Cobra Commander aims the solar satellite and melts
0: the Golden Gate Bridge. This is intense. Like, (laughs) this is like G.I. Joe Resolute intense. Yeah. I mean, almost. I mean, now in Resolute, he destroys an entire city and millions of people. But there were probably people on the bridge.
1: I want, yeah, and I want to see if we ever see the Golden Gate Bridge again in an episode.
0: I know. I'm like, (laughs) this was serious. Uh, You know, previously it's shown him destroy a model. Like, right. he, remember remember the last time he did this? He, like, right. I destroyed this model. It could be a real city next time. And they're like, oh, crap, it could be.
1: Or even showing, like, him melting a building, but all the people are running away from it. Like, they got out.
0: Yeah. This was, like, a, you know, national landmark, basically. Right. Yeah. And uh, chances are with, like, loads of people. This was pretty serious for Cobra Commander. I was impressed. Oh, yeah.
1: So so far we've destroyed in this episode or in this episode of Star Joes alone we've seen the the Easter Island heads destroyed the yeah. Washington Monument crashed into right and the Golden Gate Bridge melted
0: just melted to slag yeah
1: <laughs> so we're batting a thousand. <laughs> uh, Destro reports that the Joes have entered the base perimeter. Cobra Commander tells him that they don't have to worry since they have the weapon of the century. Uh, as the Joes arrive, uh, drive APCs, Mobats, Maulers, Wolverines, Sluggers, and Rams towards oh, yeah. the Dude Ranch, I mean, they come in full force, uh, Flint radios Rakondo if there's any Cobra activity on the ranch, and Rakondo tells Flint that the ranch is quiet.
0: Yeah, this was a surprise vehicle moment. I, I really yeah. thought this was pretty awesome. They come in forage, and you're like, oh, snap, here comes the Joes!"
1: Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Uh, the energy beam from the orbiting space station creates canyons in the earth and melts the Joe ground equipment.
0: So much for the vehicles. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, Ace leads several Skystrikers into battle. However, he runs into a Guess laser. what happens? And, and is <laughs> he's forced not flying
0: back in the Skystriker. No, he's Skystriker. <laughs> not.
1: Once again, Ace destroys a Skystriker. Nope.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, as Scarlet orders the other Joes to peel off and regroup, Rakondo climbs out of a ditch where the laser just was. Like the laser yeah, was I right there. I don't understand
0: She's how did like, he survive. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> he climbs out and he explains to Flint that the beam cannot track small targets, so they have to. Uh, all they have to do is is attack on foot. Which I get that, like it can't target you, but you just came out of a hole where it was.
2: <laughs> where?
1: It was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it could so, still fry you.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and of course, Roblox loves the fact that they're going to be attacking on foot.
0: Now you're talking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh the Joes ad- advance uh, on the ranch, and since Cobra Commander is unable to lock onto the Joes, Destro orders Cobra's forces to counterattack.
0: Which I got to say, like he's just kind of blindly, you know, moving the laser back and forth and just creating huge trenches. And I remember there was like a pretty cool visual where you're like running the cameras kind of running alongside all the joes yeah you know as they're just charging and then yep. you see this huge laser beam just cut a swath of ground right in front of them yep. and they just keep running and i remember even because i remember this episode as a kid i think it was probably mary bell that really stuck in my mind but oh, yeah <laughs> but i remember the episode she and sticks in my mind now yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> but i remember this shot i remember and it's only for a, a couple seconds it might be on screen but it felt like a battlefield moment like you're running alongside the joes they're just running right into this path of this huge laser tearing up the ground right in front of them and i'm like at any moment it could have just cut across them and they would have been incinerated yep and i was like man this is pretty awesome like i remember thinking this was really cool oh yeah um
1: so then we have uh let's see uh behind a post in the corral flint and Covergirl try to figure out how to defeat cobra until they hear wild bill shout uh, Yahoo! <laughs> uh, he is leading the cattle towards the Cobra vehicles. And Zartana's dreadnoughts are overrun while Destro and Baroness are overturned while inside a stinger. However, I will make a note because I did notice this. Uh, Destro and the Baroness, actually, when they first pull out of the barn, are actually in a vamp.
0: I noticed that, too. Like It, it, it changes from... Um,
1: vamp to a stinger.
0: Yeah, I, I said that. It says that... Uh, or yeah, I wrote the same thing down. The dreadnoughts pull out of the barn and, and they're in the in the vamp and then just kind of the next shot, it was a stinger. I was like, this yep. is strange.
1: Yep. Uh Destro and the Baroness argue with one another as they try to escape and the Baroness bolts out uh to <laughs> bolts to an outhouse as soon as she spots Wild Bill, who sees her as well.
0: It's like, hold on, I can't wait. This cannot wait. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go now. A All right. I gotta go
1: now. <laughs> She flies out of the outhouse on a Cobra trouble bubble,
0: which makes me wonder: <laughs> Was the trouble bubble worked into the toilet system?
2: Right, like <laughs> did or they actually is, use it as a toilet system? It, was for a this while? a
0: functional outhouse?
2: Right, <laughs> Cobra
1: and do all
0: and do all trouble bubbles have this? ability.
1: <laughs> right. In which case, I understand the comfort of flying them for so long.
0: I know, which is, and also why a Cobra Commander keeps them around all over the place at right. the Cobra Temples.
1: They're they're toilets.
0: They're porta potties. Right.
1: Uh, Cobra Commander <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh, Cobra Commander tells Zartan, uh, the Dreadnoks, and Destro to hurry to the barn so that they can escape. Uh, busting through the roof of the barn, they fly away in Cobra trouble <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> And Cobra Commander screams that he cannot believe that his plans were foiled by a cattle stampede. Now, here's the thing too: Cobra trouble bubbles, from my understanding, are glass on top, right?
0: Yeah, but they can bust through the roof of they a.
1: They can bust through the wooden <laughs> roof of a barn. I don't know, man. Because
0: uh, isn't it? Uh, did somebody punch through one?
1: Uh oh, yeah. In the uh, well, no, no, that was uh, a. Uh, was the skybat where they punched through the sky bat oh, oh that's right with the windshield.
0: In, in the opening
1: in the opening for uh, for the GI Joe movie
0: yeah that's right so the, 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 this must be made of more durable stuff
1: right exactly uh, wild bill uh, roadblock and Flint untie the captured Alpine bazooka and lady J. Uh Climbing up a ladder to the top of the Joe's headquarters, Wild Bill joins Snake Eyes and Timber under the stars and comments that they are almost as pretty as a West Texas gal. Timber whim- whimpers for a moment. Wild Bill tells Timber and Snake Eyes that he should have known Mary Bell wasn't real a real Texas peach. She was just too sweet. Anyone from Texas knows that they grow their peaches sassy. And Wild Bill laughs while Timber howls at the full moon.
0: Which, I mean, it's like... Snake Eyes is just shaking his head. He's like, "That's why are you even up here? I was up here trying to look at the stars in peace. I was trying to have
1: a moment. (laughs) I know. Just me and Timber.
0: Just me and Timber chilling, and Wild Bill comes up here and ruins it with a terrible joke. Snake Eyes just pushes him off the edge. Wild Bill
1: probably probably (laughs) loves Snake Eyes because Snake Eyes has nothing to say.
0: (laughs) Exactly. He doesn't talk back.
1: So the next... Now, one thing I did want to make a, a point of mentioning, too, is this: these five episodes yeah. uh, took me right up to the end of my first volume of DVDs. So okay. G.I. Joe Season 1 Part 1, which was the Rhinomation version. Yeah, There's two more episodes, and I'll be done with the whole first set,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which would be the first time I've gotten past the whole first set.
0: Oh, really? Like,
1: I've tried to do the whole rewatch thing before, and yeah. after about 20 episodes, I'm usually like, okay, I want to watch something different. Oh, okay. So this will be the first time I actually move into some of the later episodes um, from starting from the beginning. Like, I've watched some of the later episodes, like, sporadically, like, oh, I like this one, I'll watch it. But I've never, like, started at number one, worked all the way through, and got to the very end. Because
0: so you have up through episode 27, or... On that lit, like you have two more episodes after where the reptiles roam. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then it goes into the next volume. Right. So, uh, so the next five episodes that we'll cover, the the next Star Joe's episode that we do the animation stuff, is the Game Master.
3: Yeah.
1: uh, Lasers in the night. uh, The germ. Oh, one of my favorites, the Viper is coming.
3: Uh,
0: that is so memorable, but we will tear that apart. It is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yep. And Spell of the Siren.
0: Yeah. So those are the next five. Yeah. Now I'm interested too. Lasers in the Night is written by Marv Wolfman. Yeah. Which is another um and and Spell of the Siren is written by Jerry Conway. So we've got a, some more uh, comic references of, yes. of ru- notable comic writers would be.
1: I am just very excited to watch the Viper is coming.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: I, you have no idea how excited I am for that one.
0: <laughs> I was going to say you kept stopping right before that one because that would have been in your next volume, right? Right. So you would have stopped like two episodes before.
1: Had I known.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had you only known. I know.
1: So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, that one will be a special treat for me. So oh. um, So let me go ahead. Uh, this is a very long episode. but Yeah,
0: we kept going and going.
1: <laughs> but it's okay because the fans will love it. So, um, let me go ahead and give our information. Uh, well, first off, was there a favorite out of these?
0: Um, let's see. I think, uh, not the battle for the train. That one was terrible. (laughs) Um, you know, okay. Oh man. It's tough to say. I I liked, um, the one thing I liked about Soundwaves was kind of like the aerial fight. I think, um... Where the reptiles roam for for the ending of the episode, I think is what I really liked the most about that one. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's just it, <laughs> the more chances we get to make fun of Bazooka, the better. Right. <laughs> so uh, I was pretty happy about that one. But so I would say, I don't know, as far as overall episode, oh
1: man, I would say for overall episode, at least for me, it was probably Cobra Soundwaves. I didn't like the way it ended because yeah. of the whole Scarlet shooting the boomerang thing and <laughs>
0: that was yeah, that was a little bit yeah. bizarre.
1: But everything that led up to that was really cool.
0: And i got to say, the Cobra's plans to disrupt or take over the world or make money or whatever were all pretty solid.
1: Yeah, they were better this time.
0: Uh, Just in general. Like, yeah. I think the I think out of all these, the worst episode was the battle for the train of gold.
1: Yeah, because they made a giant Cobra train. That was stupid.
0: <laughs> and they handed, like, bar by bar Yes. piece of gold out of there. Yes. <laughs> that would have taken days. <laughs>
1: And just and just to to recap, uh, Duke has now been captured nine times. Yes, that's we've, the tally. We've gone through five more episodes without Flint being captured.
0: Right. And um, he, he led he led out out of these five episodes, he led four of the missions yep. and was not captured once. Right. Duke led one of them and was captured. Yeah. Twice. Yes. <laughs> or at least once.
1: Yes. At least well yeah. So <laughs> it, it, the episodes where Duke wasn't captured, Duke wasn't even in the episode. He wasn't
0: in it. Or you can just bet he would have been. <laughs>
1: right. So.
0: But even but even the one that Duke was in, Lady J was in it, which I'm really starting to see that it's no wonder Lady J, I think they, what was it we've said, she had the most speaking parts in the yeah. entire series. Like even in the, you know, she's in every single episode.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And for next time, Next time we do these episodes, you're going to find out how many Cobra Temples we have done so far. So
0: that we can keep that tally.
1: And I'm going to find out how many Cobra Arenas we've had. Awesome. So, (laughs) all right. Let me go ahead and uh, give our information. Uh, You can find us at StarJoes.com. You can uh, talk with us every day. It's the forumforgeeks.com where you can register. And we have a, a forum with multiple threads. People are constantly communicating on there. You can find us on Facebook. There is a fan page and profile page. I recommend finding going to the fan page and you can find the fan page by going to starjoes.com and on the right hand side you'll see links to different stuff and one of them says fan page for Facebook. Right. Um, and that's where you can see comic reviews from me as well as random pictures from Chuck and myself. And Robert now has full administrative access on there as well. So he, you might see some stuff posted from him, like his Atkins battlegrounds and things right. like that.
0: I'm gonna start doing that over there too.
1: Um, and then uh, you can also find it on Twitter. It's at star podcast. Uh, anything that's on our fan page on Facebook gets automatically posted onto our Twitter account as well. So, you can follow both if you want, or you can follow one of them, and you'll get most of the same information. Uh, there is a few few times where I'll post something on Twitter that I don't post on Facebook just because Twitter is good for little short, quick blurbs. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can also leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. Leave it's us a been voicemail. a while since
0: we've had a voicemail, hasn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, so if someone could leave us a voicemail, that would be great. Um, you can call any time of the Day, uh, you're not going to bother us. You can call it four in the morning. It is a long distance number, but if you have a cell phone plan that lets you call long distance after like nine o'clock or seven o'clock, um, you can call then and leave a voicemail and, uh, and it
0: goes straight to voicemail.
1: It goes straight to voicemail and then we'll play it on the air and we'll respond to it on the air. So, yeah. um, you can, uh, let's see, you can email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us on Stitcher Radio. It's a free app for your mobile devices, and you can make Star Joe's one of your favorites. You can find us on iTunes, uh, and please leave us a review there. If you have not left us a review, we would love to hear from you on there, good, bad, or indifferent, and we will read any reviews on the air as well. Uh, I believe that is everything. Robert, how can they find you?
0: Um, Mostly through Robert Atkins Art. So I have a blog. That's robertatkinsart.blogspot.com. Um, I just started a Tumblr under the same name uh, where I'm posting similar things. But, you know, um, uh, also on Twitter, it's at Robert Atkins Art. On my Facebook, it's Robert Atkins Art. So it's pretty much you could just search for that and find all those different uh, you know social medias. Um, and you can just email me directly. Uh, obviously, through Joe's you can get a hold of me or just Robert at Robert Atkins Art for my uh, email.
1: Awesome. Uh, next time we get together, uh, it, it might be... Uh, who knows? It, it might, it, mm-hmm. it, it might be us doing the Roadhouse nominations for 2013. It might be Robert and me talking about other stuff, uh, cause I know there's some other stuff we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, or it might be, I'm actually trying to reach out to, I'm going to reach out to Jim Sorensen, who did right, the, yeah. the new, uh, uh, Transformers legacy book, uh, which is a book filled with, the original art from the Transformers packaging from the eighties and nineties. Um, so that is something that Chuck and I had mentioned many times. We would love if someone would do a book of just the original art from those old packages. Uh, while Jim has done it with, uh, Transformers, hopefully, if it sells well, maybe he can do it for G.I. Joe, but it is coming out from IDW. Uh, it's in previews this month, so you can definitely pre-order it now, and it'll be out in a few months. Uh, he has mentioned he's more than willing to come on the show. It's just a matter of coordinating a time and everything else, so. Cool. Uh, and, uh, I think that's about everything. You have anything else you wanted to throw out there, Robert?
0: Um, no, I think as far as uh, people being able to see my work, the stuff I'm working on, um, you can, I'm working on Castle, the Castle book for Marvel. It's called Castle Unholy Storm. You can order, pre-order the trade right now, or that'll be coming out in stores in two or three months. Um, I'm also doing the, uh, a lot of the package art for the Star Wars Black series. So the headshots that are on the, the toys that were just spotlighted at the toy fair. Yep. Um, so the line with like Jabba the Hutt, Scout,
1: um, the biker scout.
0: The biker scout. I keep saying it wrong tonight. <laughs> the scout the bi- bike. <laughs> the scout bike, man. The so the biker, biker scout. scout. Um, Return of the Jedi, Luke. Uh, there's a few others that I've done that are part of that line. So anyway, so um, and then of course I some of that stuff I can't post online until it comes out, and even when it does, I, I may or may not be able to show that art. It's it's strange, right. but according to the NDAs I've done. But anyway, so that and all all the line art on the Nerf Zombie Strike guns as. As, as well so that's what i've been working on but awesome. you can check all that out online
1: awesome all right well with that we'll go ahead and close by saying the force will be with you
0: because knowing us is half the battle
1: take care everyone
3: beware oh no not again
2: die if anyone sees me like this. Hey, man, say, don't be shy
3: if it happens to you. Ugh. Hi, Grandpa. Good morning, Scotty. It's
2: fun being different if you have a healthy
3: attitude. Only my friends, Boothin' Styles, know my hairy secret.
2: I feel it.